A lot of people have been asking about black holes and on and on and on and all of these conspiracy theories. Let's look at this. Uh, Noah says, what else can you think about? Black hole, Bermuda Triangle. And then Deji says, huh, just like the movie Lost. That's what people are saying. I know it's preposterous, but it, is it preposterous, you think, Mary? I want to check in now with CNN's Martin Savage. At this moment, he is in a 777 flight simulator along with instructor Mitchell Posado. Uh, he is answering a question about zombie flight from Eckstein, who asked if zombie plane theory is true. Because we left with seven hours of fuel, right. and this plane is so sophisticated, it flies and flies and flies until it runs out of fuel. That's the zombie theory. You say the sign-off from the co-pilot, he said, all right, good night, that it still doesn't sit right with you, why? All right, good night, uh, he's either way too casual, not compliant, or maybe it's a coded message. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Banal of America Audio, with your host, Tim Banal. No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and on this edition of the program, scarce research, my friends. This is the year in review, as you expect from us. Uh, we've been cramming for the last <laughs> five minutes. Exactly, yes. <laughs> five minutes. Because it is the year in review edition of the program, and that's why, as we say, no comparison, because this is really unlike any uh, show out there. I, I joke on Facebook here that it's our annual airing of grievances. There's going to be a lot of <laughs> kvetching, because uh, back on the program, of course, is the maestro of Radio Mysterioso, the guru himself, Greg Bishop. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Well, thanks, Tim. Uh, is, is that what we're known? Is that what I'm known for being on the show? Just bitching and my, moaning and whining? No, no, that's that's me and you, and it's me and <laughs> you. At the, it's me and you on the year-end show. Yeah, I do like that word wheedling. Anyway, I like that. I'm going to use that next year when I promote uh, the the 2015 year in review. Wheedling. The 2015 wheedling uh, show. <laughs> well, I was I was I was going to mention this before the show, but I wanted to wait till we got on the air. I was looking back here. This we we've been doing this since 2007, so we've we, we've reviewed seven years now. And for those keeping score at home, we still don't know what UFOs are. We haven't produced a Bigfoot. Uh, the secrets of the afterlife, of course, have not been unlocked. And whoever shot JFK, RFK, MLK, and Marilyn Monroe is still running amok. So yeah. we're, we're we're really behind the eight ball here, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, we haven't come up with any solutions. Why are you still even on the air? You have to have a solution. You'll never get a contract. You'll never get paid unless you have a solution. <laughs> well, commit to something. If you don't commit to something, they edit you out. You know that. <laughs> what should the solution be? What are you talking about here? Yeah, the solution, yeah. Well, the solution should be what you said at the beginning, you know, no, no rules, no... What did you say? No rules, no commercials, no. I think that that kind of is part of the solution. Just what you said is your show tagline. 
just fly by the seat of your pants, man, try and figure this out. That's what we do here on the show. It's a, I was thinking about this before we started because I was like, oh, geez, we're going to start. And it, it is the kvetching episode. It's, you know, I'm, we're very, I'm very cynical, I think, from all, <laughs> from all these yeah, years. Yeah, we're of, both cynical. Remember we did that show and it said, what is it, is ufology or are we sick of ufology or something like that? A whole bunch of people came on the list and said, what are you talking about? Why are you sick of it? Why are you so cynical? Like, well, if you're looking for answers and none come, and then all you hear is a lot of people saying things that either you've heard before or are just you know patently silly or stupid, you kind of you have to fight being cynical. It's it's really tough. It's yeah, easy to be cynical. Exactly, exactly. Well, I, like I said, I was thinking about this before the show. It, we we sort of have a results-oriented uh, point of view here. As seems to have grown that way on the show. Show us results. Do something. You know, produce, and and then we'll. Uh, then we'll, we'll uh, provide, you know, laudatory. <laughs> yeah. There, there is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring it up later, but there is one thing that came up on my show the other night where I thought, geez, somebody actually did something different, but we'll get to that. Nice, nice. I like that. I like that. Um, all right. So as I said, as we've been joking around here to start it out, I really uh, haven't done a whole wealth of research, but I have sort of picked out, cherry-picked what I thought, as I've done the last few years, like the most interesting and best and top stories are... Uh, for 2014, and uh, I don't know, I haven't actually told you much about them yet. I've given you really like a th- super thumbnail, because honestly, folks, I, this actually came about like probably 36 hours ago, this this whole show, where I just wrote to Greg and was like, you're in review? Question mark. So that's <laughs> that's how <laughs> that's how uh, how much we've prepared. So I started out, of course, you are a pilot, which makes this an even more exciting, in a way, story to talk about, because uh, you have some expertise that Really, uh, I think nobody else who's been on the show can tell us. Uh, well, maybe maybe not, but I have read up on it based on the word of a actual airline pilot. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, and, of course, that's the uh, the Malaysian Flight 370, the MH370. The, I think it was, like, the biggest story of the year as far as, like, paranormal and, and, and esoterica and sort of keeping in, in keeping with all of this, this weirdness, the general weirdness of uh, – of the world, which is what we're looking at here on the show. So I thought that was, and it was spellbinding to me. I I was just completely engulfed in this thing. I was looking at it like around the clock, and eventually it kind of obviously like petered out. But it, it seems it was kind of one of those things. It feels like if they don't find something, it's always going to be one of these enduring mysteries, and you never see those come along anymore. Uh, in this whole thing, you know, they're like comparing it to Amelia Earhart, and it's like that was that was, you know, decades ago. So it's this like fresh, weird mystery, and I, I you know, yeah. I like that. So of course, obviously, before anyone gets sad, you know, it sucks that all those people died. Of course, you know, it's like you have to say that kind of thing. So yeah, obviously, but we're looking at it as a story. So go on. Right. <laughs> well, what do you think? What what are, your, what are your thoughts about it? What were you thinking when it happened? What what do you, what do you think happened? Well, I'm trying to remember what the guy said. I was looking at the, I was like doing cramming while you were talking. There's a site called askthepilot.com, which is, it fascinates the hell out of me. And it's just people, you know, it's a pilot that flies for the airlines. He, he's written a book called Ask the Pilot. Yeah. Uh, his name is Patrick Smith. And he goes into a whole bunch of different uh, scenarios about it. Yeah. Um. Uh, people need to reconcile with the possibility that the plane might never be found. It sounds absurd. Um, 
he, he, he said the most likely thing is something went wrong with the plane and they didn't have enough fuel or whatever to get to where they wanted to, and they just ditched somewhere. He's, uh, uh, being an airline pilot, that's his best guess. And you'll have to go to his site and uh, find out what he says about it. He, he, he deals with each of the theories. Like, was it hijacked? No, no, no. Um, did the crew suffer hypoxia, meaning they ran out of oxygen and by being at too high an altitude? And then, you know, the plane – no, because the plane, after they were at a high altitude, they dropped to a lower altitude and became – and still maneuvered the plane around. So that means they didn't pass out from lack of oxygen and uh, a few other things. But he says he gets rid of all of them and just said something went wrong with the plane. Something went wrong with the power, maybe in the plane, and that turned off the transponder and uh, the thing probably ditched somewhere. And it's just in, you know, thousands of miles of ocean somewhere. Maybe it just kept going and went way out of an area that they would be uh, searching. I don't, and he, you know, he puts away the, it was hijacked and flown to Russia or whatever. It's like, why would you take the plane and then not tell anybody about it? That seems stupid. And if you did take the plane, what have you done with the plane? Is it just sitting there? You'd think you'd use it for something by now. I guess. I don't know. The other thing is, it's a lot easier to hijack a plane like a, uh, 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 not, not a passenger plane, but like a cargo plane, if you just want to use the plane. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Why would you want a passenger plane? Well, the whole thing, that's the whole, it's, its you know, it has all the makings of, like, science fiction. You know, yeah. the plane just disappears out of nowhere. It's so, you know, honestly, I, I as I've said in years and years and years on this show, I cheer for the for the odd and the conspiracy parts. You, you hope yeah, that me it was too. Like, I mean, I, I'm fascinated thing, to hear but. them, but then, you know, you look at it sort of something like this, which is a, you know, it, it's, a lot of things happen to planes. A lot of planes have disappeared without a trace. It's not like it's not like this ha- hasn't happened before. It's just that people find it hard to believe because they think that there's a lot more tracking of planes and exactly where they are and all that than than there there actually is, especially in certain areas of the world. I was going to ask you that, but at the same time, I it's still confusing to me in a sense that even if the plane. Did all these people have cell phones and they didn't, you know, I feel like everyone's being tracked at all times. So it's amazing to me that they could lose not just a plane, but a plane full of all these people and shit. Well, the cell phones aren't going to work out out in the middle of the ocean. It doesn't work that far. I guess. I I guess I kind of presume that they do. There's no reason to have cell phones out. When people are on ships in the ocean, they're using satellite phones if they're, you know, that that kind of thing. Or if they're on a cruise ship, I guess their cell phone just hooks into the system there or something. I don't know. But it's... Another thing you've, that Ask the Pilot uh, uh, column deals with is just type, type in Ask the Pilot uh, Malaysian Airlines, and it'll come up. Um, a, <laughs> a, a, one of the things he deals with is that thing I was just talking about. Things, aren't, things can get lost. It's not, it's not easy, but it can happen. Uh, planes can get lost. They can disappear off of radar. They can, you know, not be seen by satellites or whatever, because I don't think there's satellites watching every inch of the planet every second. There are satellites watching every inch of uh, civilized inhabited parts of the planet every second, I'm pretty sure. That's the that's, – I was going to interrupt you just to say that's the weird part. That's the thing that's kind of like mind-bending in a way. It's because we just came off that year that was like, oh, they're spying on you. They know your everything. They know your moves and shit, and it's like – then, yeah, then if you're on you know, the grid, 20... they, they do. But if you're out in the middle of the ocean, somewhere, <laughs> or on an island, or you know, in the you know, on so we got to move to the middle of the ocean, then. I guess. Baja California. I don't, <laughs> I don't have internet and anything like that. You can disappear. You can disappear easily. You just have to give up a lot of technology. Yeah. 
it's just this is the weird part, you know, where it's like it's this weird juxtaposition where you're yeah. you're under the microscope in one minute, then all of a sudden they can lose them too. It's like what is this? This is yeah. crazy. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who's saying no, but this and no, but that. But that's as much as I know of it, and it seems reasonable to me that something seriously went wrong with probably a couple of dis- different systems on the plane. And they lost their radio, lost their, you know, lost their transponder. Things could, you know, as he explains in his, in his uh, article there, things can be shut off by losing power inadvertently. And the engines will still keep running because the engines are run on a different, you know, even in the little plane I'm in, all the electricity can go out and the engine will still run because they're run on magnetos. What's a magneto? It is basically an alternator in a plane. Weird. And it's all it's doing is supplying power for the well, mainly power for the uh, spark plugs to go, so the plane can go. I I remember I posted something on UFO Mystics like, why don't UFOs stop planes? You know how you know there are always these things about air, uh, cars, car engines being stopped when a UFO's around. If, right, if right. You believe that that goes on. Right. And then, then there's all these you know encounters with aircraft, and it doesn't shut the engine off in the aircraft. Right, you'd have tons of airplane crashes if that happened. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because the magnetos keep it going if you shut off the electricity. Is what you're saying? Well, the magneto one, the magnetos keep it going, and two, there's like every the, the electrical system is redundant. Everything in the airplane engine in an internal combustion airplane engine is redundant. There's two spark plugs in each uh, uh, in each uh, cylinder. And the two spark plugs run off the, the separate magnetos. So there's a lot of redundancy built in because it's, if, a plane, if an engine quits in a plane, you, you die. land somewhere really quickly. If an engine yeah. hits, you know, goes off in a car, you just pull off the road. So it, the, the nature of the engines are a little different, and it's something probably to do with redundancy of the, 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 how the uh, engine's put together. That, that's, that's what somebody came up with before I was even taking pilot lessons. Then when I took them, I realized what they were talking about. Well, the only way it, uh, it wasn't some natural thing would be if it was some kind of you would need like super talented people to do that. You know what I mean? You need like movie type <laughs> people who could take over a plane unless they could like man, like uh, remote control it somehow. Those are the only real options. That was one of yeah, that's one of the theories too. And then of course the who's the guy from uh the Pennsylvania MUFON guy that uh that said that uh, what's his name? Um, Dan Gordon? No. No, no, not not Stan Gordon. Oh, I can't remember his name now, which is probably a good thing. But uh, he said that they, that we have to seriously consider the possibility of aliens. <laughs> well, aliens uh, abducting an entire plane. Do we? And, <laughs> That's a question. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Like yeah. The whole question about abductions and all that and cattle mutilation. Why do aliens need so many people and so many things? You know, if they just want a sample, they may be doing something else. If they really are aliens doing this to people, but well. As a fan of UFOs, it would be the best thing ever if an alien, if a UFO actually did take the plane. But uh, it doesn't do that us much be good because cool. we have no way of knowing that. <laughs> so, all the Serpo. You know. <laughs> unless, the, unless the UFOs come back in like 10 years and they're like, not only we're like, whoa, there's aliens. Then like, yeah, we're aliens. And also, remember this. And then the plane flies out. Your plane's back, just like in Close Encounters. Right. With the, uh, and you're the, like, uh, what? Yeah. Unless that happens, then I don't think we'll ever find out if aliens did it, because they're not going to be like, hey, by the way, you know that plane? We crashed it by accident, sorry. (laughs) Well, it was a weird story. It was a weird story. There's not much to it, though. I mean, it's kind of one of those, like, it's like a, it's kind of like if it was a BOA audio show, it would be like a one-and-done type thing, but you can't really, really do it again. 
You know what I mean? It'd be like an no, you know what would be real interesting. I don't know if anybody's done it. Is get get like a few remote viewers to blind uh, to do blind targets on it and see what happens. I'm sure somebody's done it. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have done it. That's the problem. It's probably <laughs> yeah. half of them are like, it's in Canada, you know. Yeah. So I don't know what else to make of it. It was I thought it was the biggest story of the year, just for the most fascinating and like I said, weirdest. Uh, it didn't really. It wasn't. I don't think it was. At the end of the day, I don't think it was paranormal at all. But you know. no. But it was. It was just fascinating that it just went on and on and on and on. He's like, oh, they're gonna find it. They haven't found it yet. They haven't found it yet. It's like two months later, they still haven't found it. And you're going, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, all you right. Think people can find anything now. They can't. I mean, you can't find everything. Well, there might be a way to do it. We just don't know. Uh, apparently, there, I heard years ago that the Navy can see to the bottom of every ocean. Uh, with satellite technology. I have no idea if that's true, and I don't know what the resolution would be. How can they see a face on Mars and they can't find a plane on Earth? I don't know. I, I guess the <laughs> face on Mars isn't underwater. I guess so. I guess, <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah, and, and true to form, though, with our luck, uh, they'll end up finding the plane like in a couple months or a couple weeks. It'll be like, oh, well. People lost their year. families or their relatives. Yeah, no, that, obviously, yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, it would be great if they did find it uh, as soon as possible. I don't even know if they're even doing a very good job looking for it anymore, or if they're even like trying, or, or if they're just like gone back to the drawing board with theories. I don't know anything about how they're actually trying to find it. I, I do not know either. I just was thinking how weird it would be to like have somebody, like your mother, father, sister, brother, or best friend or something just disappear off the face of the earth. You never hear from them again. You don't know what happened. So I think the, the, there was a uh, – I just saw a post the other day about um, – uh, what's his name? One of the Rockefeller kids that disappeared in like the early 60s, the late 50s. Uh, he was off in like New Guinea looking for – Yeah, yeah, I heard about this story. Rockefeller yeah. was off in New Guinea looking for like pr- primitive artwork to put in the Rockefeller Primitive Artwork Museum, and he disappeared once, and nobody could find him. And what happened to him, they thought he drowned, and like new evidence came up, and a film was made that he was eaten by cannibals. Yeah, yeah. I heard the guy on Coast to Coast. It was a good show. Yeah. Okay, so maybe yeah, maybe there was a, somebody talking about on Coast to Coast, which I don't listen to anymore, sorry to say. Well, wow. maybe I'm not sorry. I just don't. It's just not usually that interesting to me. Okay. Well, we're, we got that. That's our responsibility to put on an interesting show. So that's what we're doing here with the year in review. Uh, and hope, it's gonna get interesting now because we will we move away from the plane because uh, there's nothing else to that. Um, do you want to predict? Actually, do you, do you have a prediction on when they find it? Just so you can uh, reap, uh, you know, profit profit points in case they do find it, like uh, in May or something. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but I predict never. Ah, okay. You said that, you know, because I don't even know if people are looking anymore. And if it is, it'll be inadvertently while looking for something else. You never know when that's going to happen. Right, right. You know, I don't know. That that That's my prediction is never or by accident way in the future. When we're like old men, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So now as I was teasing before, now it's going get, to get, get pretty uh, – Harry? Uh, I think so, yeah, because we're going to get into the UFO world. That's kind of where oh. we cut our teeth on this year in review show, and then it's expanded. Uh, yeah, the hair is growing. Okay. <laughs> into all kinds of stuff. Um, <laughs> now, I looked at all – well, that's a complete lie. I did not look at all the big stories in, in ufology, uh, but I, 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 did it, I. perused them. Uh, i got to give credit, actually, to uh, 
Alejandro Rojas at Open Minds because he put together this thing of like all the top videos and then underneath that a link to all the all the big stories. So he did all the work for me to actually have to look for these stories. Yes. Um, I think I looked at some of those. I started looking at the videos, but uh, I stopped, and we'll discuss why. Um, but there are a few others actually that weren't in I was, that weren't in the list. This one I was surprised by because I think it's the biggest UFO story of the year. I'll go out on a limb, uh, and that's the French UFO conference. Uh, the, the closed uh, private UFO conference in France, put on by their equivalent of NASA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was had to be you know. There's no argument in my mind that if any other story that could be as important as that one, or at least like as promising or, you know, as real as towards getting to the bottom of this UFO thing than this conference. Um, yeah. And you know how I know it was really good? Because I was like reading some of the papers and stuff, and I was like bored out of my mind. <laughs> I read – see, to me, looking at some – I read like – I read abstracts of like three of them. Right. I'll admit, I you know, that was an exaggeration. I, I read uh, quite a few of them, and, and – uh, Oh, okay. I thought – I thought – I read the Jacques Vallée one for sure, and then uh, – what else did I read? I read a few of the other abstracts and stuff. It was all, it's all, you know, to catch folks up to speed, because uh, uh, Red Pill Junkie, our good friend, is in the chat room right now. He's asking about the uh, the thing. They can find out about it. There'll be links up in all of America. But just go to C-N-E-S-G-E-I-P-A-N dot F-R, and that should take you to it. Uh, but there's a more convoluted link that I'm going to send uh, into the chat. Uh, yeah, so... The gist of it is it was like this uh, surreptitious conference put on by, by the French NASA, as you said. So uh, I got a little thrown off grabbing the link. What's that? That makes me happy that it was surreptitious and closed. I, I, like I said, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think it was the greatest story of the year. It was great. Uh, and it was, like I said, it was the most promising. That's what we need. We need real scientists looking at this stuff. And it was a lot of like statistical work, a lot of stuff about databases, a lot of stuff about how to collect reports. And it was like, you know, and this is... What do you want to make a bet that there wasn't a big blow-up alien sitting outside the conference? <laughs> Probably not. No, I have a feeling they left the aliens at home. Uh, yes. Which is, it, you know, and and to be, to be like, to be, I guess, uh, I'll just, I won't mince words, to be a dick about it, it was, it was a, a complete, <laughs> like, indictment of the awfulness of the American ufology scene. Because there was only two people there from America, Jacques Vallée and Richard Haynes. Yeah, and Vallée isn't even – I guess he's an American citizen, but he has – his roots are very firmly in in the French uh... – Right, right. He was almost – he has sort of a – yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those I, it, it, to go even further, I think the only the, the only names that any people who follow ufology in America would even know, because I didn't know all the other people. I was like, yeah. you know, so – I had heard of one of them, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so like ten, twelve, something like that. More than that, presenters there. Hmm. A whole array of speakers. It was crazy. It was the kind of thing you wish you could have gone to. It was like, shit. Yeah. I wish, wish uh... I've been to one Society for Scientific Exploration conference, and it was if people from UFO conferences went to one of those, they would be bored out of their minds. Because what they're talking about is the same kind of thing that you hear about it, like paranormal conferences, but they're talking about it in a way that uses statistics and testable hypotheses. And, you know, some of them say, well, we didn't really find anything here, but this part's interesting. And other people say, you know, somebody should replicate this because it seems like it's something that can be replicated. Or, you know, uh, I think Valet spoke at the one I was at. Um, 
I can't remember what he spoke about. It wasn't about UFOs. Um, the Internet. Yeah, probably. So he, he – he, um, what the point is is that this boring stuff and this uh, – what Volet was pushing, statistical analysis of, of all these um, different uh, databases uh, – that is probably something really important that it's surprisingly nobody has done yet. Volet tried to do it in the 60s with a very limited database. Now he's got a huge worldwide one, and he presented, I guess, uh, his preliminary you know, ideas about we have this stuff, we're putting it in a database, or we have, now we just have to start looking at the data, massaging the data. Figuring it, out what questions to ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah through different Great. filters. You know, finding out, you know, when things, you know, where, when, how, what kind of people these things cluster around and get answers that way, which I think he mentioned a few years ago. And I, I hooked on to that. And I've, I've been I've been bitching and moaning about that for a couple of years now. I have, too. It's been a huge uh, rallying cry on this show, statistical analysis yeah. of get UFOs. The, so I was thrilled. The, I was like, holy shit, he's, this is this is what I've been asking for. Someone to, yeah. to do a database. It's, it's a lot of work, so you know it costs a lot of money. So thankfully yeah. he's doing it because I can't. But yeah. but you know, and you just hope they can do something good with it, or else uh, you know. Well, what they're going to do probably is find out a bunch of stuff that doesn't inter- inter- interest most UFO um, fans and uh, uh, enthusiasts and all that in the least. Because it won't really make any sense, and it won't it won't be proof that there's people coming here from other planets and structured craft. It'll be just like this is how it's affecting people. This is what people see. This is where most of it seems to happen. Let's concentrate on these areas and see if we can, you know, if we make a guess that there is going to. It might be to the point where they can say at two o'clock or two a.m. in June. On the tw- around the 22nd in like Aurora, Colorado, there should be, based on all our statistics, there should be some weird things in the sky. Right. And if it happens, that will be amazing. I mean, that's just an example, and probably makes no. It probably isn't exactly what's going on, but as an example. Yeah. No, I've used that's, that's the same analogy of- on the. Uh, I've used that almost exact same analogy on the show. Yeah. You know. So it'll be like a pregnant lady, and you know. Yeah, exactly. Roanoke, Virginia is almost certainly going to see a UFO, uh, you know, in her third trimester on a full moon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. So now this dude in the chat room, I guess we'll talk about this, uh, but it sounds like a bogus kind of story. Uh, it sounds like UFO porn in a way. Um, oh, right, but UFO he porn. mentioned it. Uh, actually, two people now have, so we'll we'll talk about it in a minute. Who's, uh, is everybody using that term now? Because I started pushing it like five years ago. What's that? UFO porn. Oh yeah, I use it in honor of you. I use it. In, it's an homage because you're on the show. I never yeah, use it unless I, you're on. I hear, I hear everything porn now. But first, oh, oh, two years ago, I started. I don't. I don't know if I was the first one, but people say, oh, you know, this. There was this really cool sighting, or look at this video. It's like that's just UFO porn. <laughs> I think though. I think food porn predates that. People taking yeah, pictures probably. of their food. Maybe that's, that's where I got it from. Um, but this guy, two people here in the chat, they say the CIA noted via Twitter on Monday that it was responsible for at least half of UFO sightings in the 50s and 60s, uh, somehow involving the uh, somehow involving the YouTube you program. Yeah, yeah. So this is n- big news. I guess new news is the best. Yes, way I saw it. that. I haven't heard I, it yet. And like a lot of people, and uh, not that makes sense. I think it's I think it's probably BS. Not total BS. Not all but, of them. Yeah. Correct. I, 
craft landing in front of people or like the Flatwoods thing or, you know, uh, uh, anything where there's not something streaking across the sky way higher than anything else, which is like the majority of UFO sightings. Um. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking, actually, I was looking at this headline. Uh, This is a good litmus test to... (laughs) To see what people think, you know. It's like CIA noted via Twitter Monday that it was responsible for at least half of UFO sightings in the 50s and 60s. I'd like to see how they explain that. Well, what I was going to say is, is well, that that also – that then in turn leaves at least half that they weren't responsible for. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what, where, where, where are those coming from, you know? It's all it, – it sounds – other shit they were testing that they don't want to tell you about yet. I guess, yeah. Eventually, they run out of space in that in that window of uh, of UFO sightings. But it just seems I don't know why they would even do that unless they were just trying to be, you know, snarky. It's, a, it's an early April Fool's joke. I I don't know. I have no idea why they would say something like that. Um, although you know maybe there's some purpose to it. You know, they don't have to be a purpose to anything. But people. I was thinking about this before we came on the show where people were, would say, you know, the government says this or the government says that or the, um, that other story about the uh, uh, NSA destroying, like, all of its non-redacted UFO files. Yeah, I have that in my list here. Yeah. 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 So did they really? And two, non-redacted what? What was in there? Was it what everybody wants to see or just BS that nobody cares about that they just threw out? Or – did they make this announcement trying to see what would happen or who would react or whatever? There's, there's all kinds of possibilities instead of the obvious ones like, they're covering up aliens. There's like a thousand other possibilities that has, has nothing to do with covering up aliens. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. I don't even – I feel like they're just lying. I feel like they're just like lie. They don't care. You know, yeah, or, or like I think the, the one thing I you guess. said. I don't know what the point of flat out lying about something is inconsequential as this, but not too many people care about. I guess you're right. Well, from what I understand, I think John Greenwald really pursued him about it, and that's how it it all came out. So they kind of, I think they were kind of painted into a corner somehow. But I'm not oh, positive okay. about how it all unfolded. So it wasn't like they just uh, see because it's weird because that CIA story says they just popped on Twitter and were like, "Hey, yeah. UFO folks, fuck you, haha." You know, yeah. it's you too. Um, yeah. But with this thing, it sounds like NSA kind of had to have a response for Greenwald, and then they said that they lost all that stuff. So uh, that, Or they that destroyed part... it or something. And, and the thing is, if something's important enough to them, invariably they're not going to lose it or destroy it. Right. If people were trying to get it originally, they're not going to destroy it after the after the fact. So Yeah, if it's important enough to them. So apparently either it was a huge mistake or – you know, that you can be a UFO person and say, oh, well, they destroyed it because they don't want anybody to know, and they've got the record somewhere else or something like that, and they just don't want to show them. Or somebody just didn't think of, you know, somebody made a decision that this isn't important because it proves nothing, has nothing to do with us, and nobody here is interested in it, so let's just get rid of it. I talked to a guy at the NSA when I was working on my book, and he said that, I said, was there an actual interest in UFOs? He goes, there was amongst, like, people individually, and there was an, there was a, he said they, there was a little, like, document uh, collection that would be passed around every month to all the people that are interested in UFO stuff if the NSA intercepted something about something to do with unidentified flying objects. And the people that were interested at the NSA, just informally, would look at it and, and say, hmm, huh, you know. And basically it was just, you know, really high-level UFO reports. 
or somebody yeah. in the government or somebody, a spy who had been, you know, the good stuff. intercepted some communication or something like that. And it was basically, like I said, it was just like a little journal of UFO reports called from NSA uh, sources. And that's, he says, I, I said, anything else? And, oh, I guess he could have been lying. But he said, no, it was just it was just an informal interest, and there were people there that were interested in it. And that's the only thing I knew about it at the time I was there, which was like, I guess, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know what to make of it, honestly. Uh, I just don't believe them. I feel like they just could because because I don't know when this story came out. I need to look at that actually. Do you have that in front of you when that when that? No, I, I bet. Well, you said it was because of Green. Well, maybe Greenwald was like poking him and poking him and poking yeah, him. Yeah, I think happened. I just don't know when it happened. Oh, and they uh, probably said either lied or told him, "Look, we don't have it." Yeah. Because uh, what I guess what the what I I think you kind of touched on it just there, but uh, the idea too is like, where's the where's where's the outrage on that? Yeah, September twelfth, twenty fourteen. So it's like four months. Like it never, you know, nobody cared. I guess is the point I'm trying to make. You know, they don't. Nothing you can do about. It. What are you going to do? Yell at the NSA for destroying stuff that possibly had UFO reports in it? Someone should. <laughs> Someone should yell at them about it. You know the media sure they get outraged about all kinds of other garbage. They should. That, that's yeah, but the UFOs should... don't. They don't affect policy. They don't affect people's daily lives. People don't live or die based on what happens with the UFOs. Not not in general. So it's probably just. A, and plus, you know, as far as the media is concerned, and most people are concerned, it's just a joke, or, it's, or not even a joke, but just something that's not really that important. Exactly. That's the point I was trying to make. It's like you look at you know if we pull the camera really far back, it's a good. It's a good. Uh, you know, indication of where things stand. They, the NSA says they destroyed all this UFO stuff. Nobody fucking cares, man. You know, it didn't get into any major outlet or anything. So, yeah, or if it did, it was like it was like one, you know, one mention like in the UK Telegraph, and then it never really went anywhere. You know, there was no, there was nobody like uh, on CNN all all upset about this. No, well, there wouldn't be. You know what? As I'm- <laughs> saying this and think and I'm thinking about it the only thing that would be uh, the thing that would be a tragedy about it is what we were talking about a little earlier it could have added to the database maybe how so well if there's details about you know sightings or things oh that happen, oh I see what you're saying yes 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 it could, oh, been, yeah. it could have been thrown in that big database hopper which there should be a worldwide easily accessible internet site for for anybody, and maybe you know, donation like you got to pay twenty dollars a year or something so they can keep it going. Yeah. Anybody to search, use, and mess with the uh, and and play with the data, I think that'd be great. That's that actually I think shouldn't be exclusive. That's the thing I'm worried about too with the thing because if the French to throw back to the French UFO conference, it's kind of like exciting and also frustrating and kind of uh, makes me worried in a way where it's like this sounds awesome. I love what you folks are doing over there at French NASA. I want to know more. And their attitude is kind of like, you know what, we're just going to do our thing. We don't really care if you know more. You know, it's like they... They really don't care if you know more because they don't want to turn it into a circus and turn it into what it comes... It's, right, right. No, I don't I don't blame them. It's just which like... I understand. You know, I, I think... Uh, I'm a victim of circumstance here. <laughs> you know, it's like... I don't I, like it, but I don't... I like less that, that it gets turned into something where... A hundred people with stupid ideas start messing it up. Oh, yeah, obviously. Well, that's why it was invite only. Yeah, I I, I totally understand that. I'm just saying and, I want an invite. 
I applaud <laughs> it. I wish that stuff would happen here. But then everybody would get all mad. They could never do it, it here. Yeah, it would be a blah, blah, blah. Right. No, because here you have to worry about selling tickets. That's This is, you know, the... Uh, well, that was a government thing, too. It was the French government, so... Right, right. Which was kind of amazing, too, as you say. Yeah, the whole thing was awesome. The whole thing was like the most promising, best, coolest UFO news of the year. I felt like we jumped off of that uh, a bit too soon. But, yeah, that was – we need to know more about it. I wish they would talk more about it. I should work on finding out more about it, but it, it sounds awesome. Yeah, um, I should in, – in furtherance of getting uh, certain people on my show that I, I, I never have had on my show. I'm going to get that Rosetta Stone for French. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Learn it in about four or five months and then get all these French guys on. Right, exactly. Now you see. Uh, this one, I just copied the headline. I think I remember it vaguely. Uh, we could probably spend like five minutes on it. It, it is the definition of UFO porn. It is uh, Roswell UFO researcher claims to have picture of aliens. I got a lot of buzz. It, it was, I remember seeing it. It's a picture, so that gets, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh but it, it, it didn't really strike me as anything. I rolled my eyes when I saw it. And what, is this the slides more. or something else? I think it was the slides, yeah. Let me see. I'll get, uh, his, I'll get his name. So uh, uh, Paul Kimball said it was the dumbest UFO story, of, lamest UFO story of the year. The, I will give you some background. I had uh, Nick Redfern on my show, and we talked about this. Of like I haven't posted yet, about three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, about two years ago, or maybe a little bit longer, somebody, he said, with a Texas accent, called him up and said, I have these images of the Roswell alien, or I have images of an alien, something like that. How much do you think I could get for them? That was his question. Yeah, this is the Tom Carey and Don Schmidt thing. Yes. Yeah, so I, don't know the, I don't know the details of it, but I know it was highly controversial. Yeah, well, it still is. And, they, the, and then uh, a few... Months later, something like that, Carrie and Schmidt and the rest of these Brigalia or whatever, these Dream Team people, got in t- uh, uh, Kevin Randall got in touch with Nick, and Nick said that he he told them, you know, I guess the name the guy had given him, maybe. But anyway, just details about certain things about the slides and about where they'd come from and all that, that nobody had, you know, that they, they had, nobody else knew, and Nick knew them, so apparently it was the same person that had you know, sent sent them the slides. Um, and so uh, the first thing that the whoever it was did with these slides, whatever they are, was trying to see how much money they could make off them. And the next thing they did was contact a bunch of UFO researchers. And I, I, I think Paul and a couple of people have pointed this out. If you really had some real slides of some aliens, who you know, if you wanted to make money, I think the last people you'd go to is UFO researchers. They were trying to make money? They're going to sell them? Yeah. I mean, the, the guy wanted, was trying to ask Nick how much money he could make off those kind of slides. And it turned out it was either the same person or knew the same people that uh, sent the slides to the, the you know Roswell people, the it, researchers. Yeah. Once you get money involved, you... Really? Yeah, and the other thing is, they keep saying once the time is right and we've got you know got our ducks in a row and we've done the research and our oh, due diligence and et cetera, et cetera, we will release the slides. And it's been like they've said that like two years ago. So no one's seen the slides. Who's seen no, the slides? No, not, not nobody outside their little group. Okay. And so either you know, I, I'm pretty sure they exist. I mean, they're not going to lie about actually having the slides, but. I don't know why they don't want to show them to people. Is that because they're trying to make money off them? Is it because they really i am not sure if they're fake or not yet? 
I mean, you know, the real thing to do is be just to either take them somewhere and get them analyzed or just throw them out in public and say, look, this is this is what they look like. Crowdsource them, yeah. Yeah, crowdsource them and see, and see if anybody with any kind of expertise, I mean, apart from all the noise and junk and and uh, craziness they get. Yeah, the ultimate peer review. Put yeah. it out there for the peers to yeah, see if somebody can, you know, make head or tail what's going on with them. Because it's, you know, I, I've got some, I, I've got tapes of Roswell witnesses that haven't been heard in years, and I've, I just want to transfer them to audio, I mean, on the Internet, and just let people listen to them and put to rest maybe some, like, rumors about what people said at certain times. That would be awesome. I was just going to say, I was just going to ask you, uh, in light of in light of this, you know, these claims to have the pictures of the aliens, I presume they were from Roswell. Um, yeah. I don't believe this story. So it sounds kind of like bullshit to me. So I don't really. But well, do you they think did say that the, the the film had the right like uh, on the edge of the film? There's uh, edge numbering uh, yeah. that they put on there to show you know what stock or what you know what lot the film came from, and that way you can establish a year. And apparently it is nineteen. You know the the, the that film was produced. That's that uh, serial number was produced or edge number was produced in 1947. The problem is... You can take a picture of the film that's like 50 years old. 67 or like... It's every 10 or 20 years they go through the same numbers. Oh. Well, that's ridiculous then. Yeah. It's probably from 1987. Yeah. Maybe. Well, there's other things you can tell, like maybe how old the film is. I'll tell you a really strange thing that happened once with... um, uh, uh, no, I can't remember his name. Uh, 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 Bob. Um, oh my God! He, he, him, and his son are, are uh, have all like the later uh, uh, MJ12 stuff. Oh, um, shit! Now you made me forget. See, I, I can't remember names anymore. No, no, no. He wrote the UFO crashes. Um, Robert Wood. Yeah, uh, Doctor Bob Wood. Yeah, his dad. He was. At a at the, uh, uh, scientific exploration conference, and he was showing these original documents that came in some of this like extra. I don't know if it was that Thomas Cantwheel's extra MJ12 stuff, but it was some of the extra MJ12 stuff they'd gotten. Yeah. And what it, what they'd done is they'd like analyze the paper. He actually should. He, I sat there with him, and he showed me the paper, and it had little holes in it where they'd taken samples of the paper, so they could take samples of the ink and the paper stock and Jeez. the pulp and all that, and have it analyzed. And he said it definitely was from the time that it said it was, and it did talk about what are we going to do with aliens and this and that. What do you do with that? Does that mean that the government actually, you know, that there's a so either the government had knowledge of UFOs or aliens or something like that at the time or were concerned about it in a secret way as in MJ12 and people think that's what it is or they wanted somebody desperately to think so. Yeah. Like what if you had a shitload old paper? I don't know. No, I mean at the time because Oh, I see. What paper <laughs> apparently was produced Printed at the time that the you know that they said they were that you know that's what I mean. I'm trying to figure out how they could do it, how they could fake it otherwise, unless you had like a bunch, of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a bunch it, of old paper. Maybe there's a way to fake it. I don't know. It's well, I guess you know I'll I'll bring up stuff that like you know that I don't agree with because it, it, it I will bring up inconvenient facts just because I wonder about it. I wonder what was going on if that is true. You know, was there really? And it, I don't think it said MJ12 on it, but it did. It was a document having to do with some alien thing, or having to do with extraterrestrials, or how to deal with it, or something from that period. So 
So maybe they were concerned about it then or knew something about it, or they wanted somebody to think they did. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Maybe it was leaked to, you know, Russia or China or something like that just to make them think they'd gotten something and that the United States knew about alien technology or Well, I'm going to I'll re I'm going to I'll I'll backtrack a sense cuz uh, I guess I don't know based on what I've been hearing here in general. Uh I don't know if those pictures are bullshit, but the uh, the handling of them is. That's probably yes. the better way to put it. You know, I have no idea if the pictures they could be very well be real now that I think about it, but it's like if yeah. If this dude, if someone has a picture of an alien and they can verify it, you know, get it out there. Even yeah. if they can't, and, and yeah. if they can't verify it, get it out there anyway because some maybe somebody else can or they can disprove it. Yeah. You know, there's so no they, point you know, sitting it. There's no good. You know, yeah. you don't create art to put it in the closet. You know. Yeah. Well, maybe he took it to the UFO people because they said, "Look, we can get somebody to analyze it and we'll pay for it and all that." Because he probably whoever was trying to either release the. F- film or hoax it couldn't pay for it so maybe that's maybe that's why he went that route i don't know and nobody else like yeah come on pictures of aliens whatever so he had to go to a ufo researcher well still still yeah it's it's been handled very clumsily to say the least exactly um all right what else uh the other thing i have here is uh for some reason this got a lot of press it's you know it's kind of like this I'm going to use this to get on a soapbox. The story is Bill Clinton going on Jimmy Kimmel and being asked about UFOs, I think, in Area 51, and he gave kind of a jokey answer and got a lot of press and shit. And I guess my complaint is just like, these things happen all the time. It shouldn't be news. It feels like the folks, those of us who are in the UFO field, we're like the we're like the comic book nerds who uh, who know all this stuff. And then... You know, the mainstream media, when they report on this, like, Bill Clinton story, they, they're like, when they get all those shit wrong when they make a movie about Thor or whatever, and we're like, wow, well, you know, come on, the hammer should have a raccoon paw, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I see the, the – what analysis you get here on the Year in Review show, folks. That's how I saw the Bill Clinton on Jimmy Kimmel story. I kind of shook my fist where I was like, oh, man, come on with this. It's stupid. It's This is – this is ridiculous. Like this, these things happen all the time. You never find anything out. It's there's not some clue to some other thing. It's just just like a a pain in the ass. So I don't know. Off the soapbox. No, well I I I really don't care what any of these people say about anything because it, it it's like the disclosure thing, you know. It, or a lot of UFO researchers like, well, when we find out that aliens are coming here from other planets and the government admits it, then we can all say, I told you so, and then everybody will think we're heroes. No, that's not what's going to happen, and it's just, it, it just isn't. It, it'll be, if, it, if it becomes important, UFO researchers will be the last people anybody's going to talk to. I don't. Well, yeah. I have both been saying this, and a lot of other people have been saying this for a long time. Yeah, that's a that's a caveat. That's like a that's a that's a an I don't even know. That's a that's a guarantee, an assurance, I guess you could say. Yeah, I, I mean, if it's if it's if it's the way that they say it is, um, they'll say, "See, that's what we we told you so." No, it's going to be you know, uh, what what does Neil deGrasse Tyson think of this? Right. Why? They're not going to ask what, what Richard Dolan thinks of this. They're not going to ask what Stanton Friedman thinks of this. They're not going to ask what Linda Howe thinks of this. Only in a kitschy sort of way, as yeah, they treat them now. 
yes, unfortunately. Exactly. As they treat the subject right. now, they'll treat the people who liked it before uh, in the sort of kitschy sort of way in the same sense, you know. Yeah, yeah and, I never really thought of it that way, but I think you're exactly right. And it, not that I agree with any of the people totally that I've, I've just mentioned, but I, I would feel sorry for the, the field as a whole if that happens. Well, I, I can see why it would happen, but it would make me – it would it's just a bad taste, you know. Yeah, no, it's lousy because I like all these people, you know, yeah. relatively. But at yeah. the same time, I find the field in the sense where I, I find myself almost cheering against it sometimes because I'm just like shaking my head at it where I'm like, oh, Jesus, this, you know. Yeah, I know. That goes back to, that goes, you know, I hate to, I hate to sort of beat the drum, but it goes back to that conference and everything. It's like, the, as I said, the American UFO scene, you know. Yeah. It's getting to, it's turning into professional wrestling. Yeah, so. it's it's. I hate to say it, it may be too democratic. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I think the information should probably be democratic, but the interpretation of it, maybe not. I don't know. Well, not in in the sense that, like you said, like peer reviewed, like a whole bunch of people who have expertise in some area can call BS. You know. Yeah. Like um. you're. Statistical analysis makes no sense in as a statistician would would uh, excuse me would uh, would look at it that kind of thing or maybe a statistician would look at this stuff and say you know this this seems legitimate and um, if this this data is comes from a place that is is legitimate and reliable then maybe we should uh, take it seriously I don't know I have no idea I don't even <laughs> think I made any sense just now let's go on. <laughs> Um, yeah, Bill Clinton on Jimmy Kimmel. That's that's my main concern. That's my main annoyance. Well, it feels like uh, I would do I have that anywhere else in the notes. Yeah, well, it just feels like that you know the Jimmy Kimmel thing. It just kind of still embodies this whole idea that that the UFOs are still on the outside looking in as far as people taking them seriously and stuff. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, it's well, it's going to be that way until the attitude about. The, the UFOs changes, and that's not going to come from UFO researchers, and it's not going to come from Hollywood, and it's not going to come from the government. Well, and I'm not sure what that leaves, except for possibly the way we look at reality would have to change, or the phenomenon itself would have to change in a way that was more understandable or obvious to us. I think the latter may be the case, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I I I am more on the side of we have to change the way we look at things and accept uh, and and research things and accept proof. Well, you know, it probably has to be like a Venn diagram where you know the two the two sides haven't quite meshed yet. You know. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But uh, I think really, really basic things have to change before the f the way the phenomenon is treated by at least you know Western society and media and all that changes. Hmm. Okay. I had a thought that ran away from me, but it just came back. Um, that I'll close the book on the Bill Clinton thing with a better uh, analogy okay. than I <laughs> than I had before. In the sense that to you and me and Red Pill Junkie and the folks in the chat room and the folks listening who've been following this for a long time, we know that Bill Clinton already talked about all this stuff in his book, like or, or the or the guy's book that wrote the book that was working for him or whatever. And Bill Clinton asked him to look into UFOs. Yeah, it was already a story like a decade ago. But Stephanopoulos, then I, what's that? George Stephanopoulos is a press guy. 
No, I think it was his chief of staff or something like that. Oh, okay, that's right. You're right. You're right. And uh, so that, that's the annoying part. That's that's the part where I was sort of likening uh, UFO folks to to comic book geeks, where it's like we know yeah. this, and yet the mainstream media they report this this whole thing about him going on Jimmy Kimmel, and like don't even mention that part. It's like you guys are so far off of what the fuck's really going on. Yeah. That it's so frustrating. Like if everybody was just on the same page, for God's sakes, you know. Yeah, that's how I felt about uh, X-Files. I'd watch people say, don't you like the X-Files? Like, no. Well, why not? Because I'd watch it and see how much how much cooler it could have been if they had really concentrated on the part of the thing that interested me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's very selfish. But, yeah, that's why I hardly ever watched any of them. Um, what else? Let's try and just stay as far off of this one as possible, but I want to mention it because it's, it's, in, <laughs> it's in keeping. With the year in review, the uh, the Stan Romanek story, guy got arrested for having some some uh, allegedly he got arrested for having some things on his computer he shouldn't have. We'll just leave it at that. I don't even want this the whole thing is just like gross you get arrested me. for for having on your computer. There you go. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing is just horrifying. He wasn't going to blow anything up. Right, right, right. Exactly. So, yeah, salacious material. Let's say. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and what that guy's a train wreck anyway. So it doesn't right. really. I guess the whole thing that bothered me was just like people rushing to this guy's defense. It's like just just don't get involved. Like that's why I don't even want to talk about it. You know, it's like this. It you know, it's like looking at the at his wife's page or whatever when it first happened. She's like, you know, this is all part of the government. Blah blah blah. And and like people are like, we support you. All of ufology supports you. That's what someone wrote. And I was like, dude, slow your roll, man. Yeah. Like, all of ufology does not support these people. Uh, I don't know what their story is. I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> that's that. That's the, you know, period, end of story. <laughs> yeah, so, story was balloon boy. Just just think of that. Right. Let them get their shit together and let fucking it all shake out before we start proffering. Well, Romanek was balloon boy, right? No, no, no. He, he oh, was, was alien the in the guy. window. Okay, never mind, never alien mind. Alien in the window. Yeah. Another yeah, alien hit. in the window. That's perfect. I used to have a T-shirt from uh, what was it called? Alien Workshop skateboard people, and there was an actual picture of an alien in a window. This was like ten, fifteen years ago. Was it the same alien in the window? Maybe he just well, it was a big-headed alien looking like through a uh, like a, a door with a window in it. Jesus. Yeah. So, like I said, the whole that thing. shirt. I don't know what happened to it. It was it was one of the coolest things ever. It wasn't you know? It wasn't anything obvious. It wasn't anything. Really, it wasn't really uh, uh, something that you'd, you just wouldn't think of that as something you would associate with, like, any, like, with a surfboard, with a, with a skateboard company. And he, yet here's this, they call it Alien Workshop, and the, one of their T-shirts is, a, is a, like a degraded video picture of an alien looking through a window. <laughs> and that, when I, when I saw that Romanek thing, it reminded me of that. Weird, weird. And also, you know, another thing is, like, Here's one more video of something that just doesn't look real. The thing is, if we ever, if anybody has anything that's real, and this is point has been made before too, nobody's going to know it. Well, you... everything looks so stupid. And the, the thing is, if somebody did have something that was real, it probably would be not impressive whatsoever. Well, the whole thing is, you touched on this actually. Uh... You've been wanting to talk about this. This is a better. We'll leave behind the Romanek story. You can't. Yeah, yeah. You know. You can't win. That's a no-win story, folks. That's a no-win story. So, 
you know. Yeah, I don't even know why he's still in the news. It's just kind of well, it's the year in review. Why bother? It's the year. You're right. <laughs> um, and and I wanted to take the task to crazy folks that are like, you know, we stand behind you 100. percent It's like that's not how you're supposed to look at the world. Good. Have fun. Um, to videos. So we'll segue to videos because you you mentioned it. Um, as I said, Alejandro Ross, he put up the best videos. I've already kind of given up on videos. Um, in general. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, but, but it kind of segues into the whole idea that like, you know, we get into, (laughs) I think someone was impressed by one of the voices I do. I do lots of voices on the show, uh, Sean, I do lots of voices. Um, videos, it's, it's, it's a mess, dude. The whole thing's a mess. There's too many videos, but we're entering into this like news cycle where it's all videos, videos all the time, videos and weird pictures, it's yeah. like we're turning into a very, like, technological, visceral culture where, like, it's always – seems like every month, if not, like, twice a month, it's, like, the weird picture, you know, is it this, is it that? Well, this is on Mars, this is somewhere Or running across the kitchen floor behind the kid video. I like that one. Or a ghost video, you know? It's like – or you get a ghost video that's like yeah. – so it's a weird – I don't know, you know, it's it's like – it's – it's really frustrating if you really look at the if you're like us and you want to get to the bottom all of all this. Cop videos, Chris Pinio pointed out, yeah, those dash cam videos, fucking videos everywhere, man. Yeah. It's frustrating in a sense cuz back in the day, like videos was one of the pillars of this whole research field. UFOs, Bigfoot, everything else. It was like if you had a video in 75, you were, you know, you were you shot to the top. You of, couldn't manipulate the image. All you could ma- manipulate was what it was shooting. Hmm. So now we're we're in a world where videos is completely degraded as a possible evidence tool. It's very uh, frustrating. Yes, it is. And the thing is that the, the fun, impressive, um, I want to believe videos are all the fake ones. Oh yeah, all the ones yeah. that uh, they, the the ones that I saw, the few I saw in the Open Minds, are the indistinct blob videos with shaky cam, which proves that people are taking videos of some indistinct. I mean, it, what looks like on the camera, indistinct shaky blobs, right? Which prove, proves really nothing to anybody except people. The people that don't want to believe in it say it's an indistinct shaky blob that that proves nothing. And the people that want to believe it say, look, that's a UFO. A structured alien craft from another planet. Yeah. Well, that that but that it leaves us, which proves nothing to anybody, really. Yeah, no one's. You just don't get good videos like that unless the things on the ground landed. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, the only video that I ever really liked that I I keep thinking of and going back to, and people have probably seen it, is the one that was shot from a hotel room in Vegas. Like in the like in the early '90s or late '80s, and all it showed were these little like lighted dots. And I don't think this was faked. All it showed were these little lighted dots flying up over this over this like little peak, like near Nellis Air Force Base, and then doing the classic falling leaf thing. Weird. There like four or five lights like shooting up in the air, and then they would like drift down and go back and forth like a falling leaf. The classic falling leaf thing. I always looked at it, and it's you know, it's not some structured craft-looking thing. It's it's just it's basically lights moving around in a strange way, and I've never seen another video like that. I've never seen a falling leaf video. I'm sure there's a few of them, but that's the first one I ever saw. And it's like, yeah, that's really weird. 
I wonder, you know, if that's some you know, U.S. government thing, what the hell purpose does it have of shooting up in the air and then making a, then falling down like a, flo- a, full, a floating leaf? Who knows? Who knows? To impress, uh, to impress some sexy woman back at base. I guess, but anyway, <laughs> like I said, why does anyone do anything? <laughs> nobody ever, nobody's ever really had a video with the falling leaf motion, which is a classic UFO sighting motion. This is true. This is true. Well, at least that I've seen. But I've given up on looking at UFO videos, so I don't. I really, have too. I just you know. I don't want to look at them anymore. For a while, I was posting on UFO Mystic when when I was doing that. I was posting my favorite faked videos, and people were like, "Why are you posting these fake videos?" Like. Because they're cool and fun. Why should I post videos of blobs? Well, this is the other thing, you know. It's like people, I'm sure by now they they know that we are kind of cynical about all this. But here's like the reality check. It's like we're not saying that all these videos are bullshit, you know. The 10 best UFO videos videos of the year may all be legitimate UFOs. They may all be real alien spacecraft. But it's like we just, what do you do with that? Where can you go with that? You, know, you can't do anything with it because it's not going to impress anybody anymore. Exactly. So the only thing that's going to impress somebody is either having it happen to them personally, or having an authority figure say that we have decided that this is real. And I don't know if any authority figure is ever going to say that. At least the way it is now, it's at a stalemate. It's been at a stalemate since the beginning of the UFO era. Yeah. So videos. Yeah, not the videos, oh. but just the whole idea no, know, of know. You know, revealing what the the thing is, because I don't think anybody knows for sure, and it's different for everybody, so how can they reveal something that's different for everybody? I think that's something that, uh, I think Willie Strieber might have brought something up like that in one of his books. I don't expect him to reveal <laughs> anything anymore. You know. I don't either, because if, if the thing is, I think they're caught in a conundrum. They want us to release these files or release what we know. If we release what we know, it's not going to agree with what they say, and they're going to say cover up anyway, and people can't handle it, and it doesn't make any sense. So why bother? Why bother with all the noise? It, I'm sure it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, if, even if they think it is aliens coming from another planet. What do you do with that? You can't. They can't do anything about it. Yeah. They can't stop it. They can't make it start. They can't affect it. It's just there. So, you know, why why bother with the headache of, of bringing that up and saying we can't do anything about it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, more people should video UFOs, I guess, but try and get good videos. Or I try guess. and get videos that make a difference. I don't know. I don't know what's going to make a difference. It's hard I don't know to what's going to make a difference either. You know what's going to make a difference is... I don't know for video. I guess like walking up to a ship and having something come out and do something. Right. Yeah, have and, it do something. It have like away, a, like it shoot off a light. like five different cameras with a hundred people watching. You know, something like that. I don't know. Right. Right. Flies over like the Super Bowl, and it's like everybody in a. You, you get well. That's another weird part. You, you'd think. Uh, you know, they have like these outdoor venues and and stuff like that, and with all the people with cameras and everything, it hasn't happened yet in the sense where. You know, clearly the UFOs was I, I well I had stand on for the holiday thing I I mentioned to him. It's like we don't know a, a lot of stuff about UFOs. Uh, we've clearly established we don't know most of anything about UFOs. But one thing we know for certain is that the UFOs don't want us to know about them. Like we can say that beyond a shadow of a doubt because the UFOs yeah. otherwise well, would 
would let us know that they're out there. So, really? So th- I think we're in our. I think it's <clears throat> equally or more so we're in our own way. I don't think we have the wherewithal right now to understand what it is that's presented to us. We I guess part that we that we can see and that we can comprehend in the way that we comprehend it. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree with that. But I think it's still dependent on the UFOs in the sense that they could they could catch us up to speed. You know what I mean? They they have no yeah. desire to come in and catch us up to speed. Well, I wrote a thing once. I was saying maybe they exist like waves and wind and stuff. They just exist, and we put our meaning upon them. That's entirely possible. I guess I'm looking at it from the ETH perspective, but I... If you look at it from the ETH perspective, yeah, what you're saying makes sense. They just don't feel like, you know, communicating with us. Or it's like, you know, I'm going to communicate, and this has been said from the beginning, I'm going to communicate to this ant that I'm trying to communicate to. Right. (laughs) <laughs> How do I do that? I, I I don't know. Yeah. My frame of reference is completely different from whatever these things are that inhabit this planet in this dimension in the you know in this time frame or whatever the hell. Well, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I I like what you said about it being like the wind and stuff. It could very yeah. well be like that. It could be something that's not even trying to communicate with us. I think they've unhooked whatever it is is unhooked from time. It's kind of like a ghost. They've unhooked from time. And maybe from space, and they can, and we just get glimpses of shadows of whatever affects us in this dimension and the way that we can see things, and and that intelligence, that's that's their little brush along us, like you know, like the wind hitting you or something. You go, what was that? You know. <laughs> I think I was just to I was on a roll a roll of a of a point, and then I I went off on a tangent of a different note, and so I back up to the video part where it's like. You have all these people with cameras, and you have these like large events, and you never see a UFO over those or anything. Maybe that would be maybe the video that would change things, but it wouldn't change things because like it would only be in the news for forty eight hours, and then it would kind of go away. So yeah, but the thing is, it just flew over, and a bunch of people saw it, and they couldn't explain it. So there's going to be forty thousand people that saw something that they can't explain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'm just saying that you get multiple uh, multiple videos, but even then, like I said, it's they, they probably wouldn't be great videos, you know, and then then. It would just get kind of written off, so it's very frustrating. I don't yeah, know. okay, that's what that would be. It would land in the middle of a football game or a soccer game or a baseball game. Oh, just it, hover over, not even land. So it has to be has to be like uh, mysterious enough whether they could write it off. Otherwise, then yeah. the game's over. So like it yeah. just floats on over the, you know, I don't know the world. Which is why I'm, I said a little bit earlier that maybe it has to do with an individual view of things much more than a collective view, and the way we look at things is collectively. So it's you know, it's one of those things where somebody says, I've experienced a spiritual enlightenment, or I've seen a UFO, or I've seen Bigfoot, or whatever, or a ghost. You can't explain that adequately to somebody that hasn't had that experience. Yeah. It just it, it, You don't have the language to explain it to them, and what you do is already degraded what the experience is. Deep stuff. If it's I, close I, enough. Yeah. I'm left looking here to uh, to jump off points. Let me see if there's anything. Uh, yeah. Well, what else is on your list there? Of uh, well, we're, we're at the hour mark, so maybe we'll jump off of UFO because we could talk. We could do a whole UFO show, but uh, yeah, of course, and we have. Into, I know. Well, well, we'll talk at the end of the show because you got you got your tenth anniversary coming up here on the show, so we got to do something to celebrate uh, this summer. But okay. The uh, so there's a whole bunch of other stories. So we'll move on from UFOs because, uh, like I like you know like Greg's saying. Who, who knows what to do about it? We can't, you know. Oh, great. Now I'm not going to have an opinion about anything. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we're 
we're left in the same place we were at the end of 2013, folks. We uh, we're still trying to figure out what the hell this thing is all about. Um, you know, so. we can be cynical, but the thing is, if you've been listening to both Tim and I, there there is hope, and 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 uh, some I don't know what's the word. Not totally cynical, like. There's something going on. We're interested in it. We continue to be interested in it, but we continue to be a lot less interested in all the all the junk that goes along with it. Exactly. It's a results-driven uh, perspective. That's really yeah. like I said at the beginning. You know, it's we're looking. We 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 think there's something probably there, and we want to know what the hell it is. So the people who are doing good work trying to figure it out, we applaud them. But you know, yeah, and I like talking to people. them, and you like talking to them on your show. Absolutely. And, and in any field, not just like UFOs, but any paranormal thing, or not even maybe paranormal stuff. So let's go ahead. Um, all right, so the Bigfoot year. There really wasn't much to it. I felt like uh, Bigfoot was still obviously a big story. Uh, there were big Bigfoot stories, but I really didn't follow them like enough to even talk about them too much. The only Bigfoot story... Uh, I hadn't heard this one. What's that? And I hadn't heard this one you mentioned. Which one? You said that there was like some other quasi hoax or something. Oh yeah, the guy, the guy who did, the guy who did the hoax, the big hoax, where they had the press conference, not Biscardi, but one of his underlings, the two guys from Georgia. Apparently, yeah. he he's perpetuated more hoaxes, and then this year he said he had a Bigfoot body and he was going to bring it on tour, and it got like a ton of mainstream publicity to the point where it was a lot like that Bill Clinton Jimmy Kimmel thing, where you're like. Jesus, you know, and even the stories would be like... How many times did he have to scream wolf, you know? Yeah, and even the stories would be like, he claims he has a Bigfoot body. And, you know, it's sort of like the second to last or last paragraph would be like, uh, you know, this guy made news in 2007 when he hoaxed a Bigfoot. And it's like, well, what the... (laughs) You know, it's like, well, why the hell are you even reporting on this? Just to make... Just because it's like Rick Dyer is the guy's name. Just to make... You know, people look silly or people look bad or make fun of people and, and you know, to dismiss the whole thing. And, it, like, that's no good, man. That's no good. So it was a bad it was a bad sign for UFO, uh, for Bigfoot Everybody. last year, you know. But Bigfoot's still super popular, I find. Bigfoot's, it's like, I feel like Bigfoot's moved ahead of ghosts as sort of the paranormal du jour. Yeah, I don't know. There was some vampire stuff for a little while, but ghosts and Bigfoot UFOs are the big three, and they just keep going on and on and on, and they go through fashions. And Yeah, but I feel like when we first started talking, it was ghost, ghost, ghost on the TV, and now it's like Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Yeah. Uh, it seems like Bigfoot's a little more in, in uh, with the zeitgeist at the time. UFOs yeah. is, still, is still a distant third, sadly. But that's, yeah, that's and there's only so many ways you can attach a bunch of night vision cameras on booms around people's faces and have them looking around going, what was that? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the, I What was that, a Bigfoot? What was that, a UFO? What was that, a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> um, aside from that, I guess there's a guy in Canada. He's making a lot of noise about Bigfoot. And then uh, it, there's a lot of drama. Like, I, I completely got out of the Bigfoot scene because there's a lot of drama. People... You know, people get very vehement about it to the point where I was like, this is kind of weird that people get so passionate about Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, but this dude, like, put, he said he had a bunch of Bigfoot sightings. His name's like Todd Standing. I don't know. He sort of keeps percolating in the news. But the general consensus, I think, from the folks who are sort of of our perspective are kind of very cynical about the whole thing. But he keeps generating publicity. That's the thing. This this field, this Bigfoot field, seems to be all about sort of like 
generating publicity even more so than UFOs nowadays, it seems. It's really kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever going to find a real live flesh and blood Bigfoot because they haven't yet. So what the hell is going on? There's more people looking every year. They find hair and evidence and all that, and then the hair turns out to be like, you know, either some animal they know or inconclusive or it's been contaminated or whatever the hell. I've never heard any like, this is hair from some hominid or a DNA sample from some hominid that's never been seen before, and we can't, well, actually a couple of people have said that, um, and we can't identify it, but it is in the, like, the primate family, and uh, that's it. But the, you don't have one in a cage somewhere or, you know, uh, somewhere where a few people can look at it or everybody can look at it, so right, right. I don't think it's ever going to go any further. It's, it's, it's kind of like UFOs. It's just you can't predict where it's going to happen. The only thing you have is like some indistinct video, maybe some physical traces, and a bunch of uh, witnesses. Well, I so, will say, I will say this though: there, uh, but nobody knows what it is. As opposed to ghosts and UFOs, I think that Bigfoot is with the, you know, I'm going to kind of go ETH the Bigfoot here, but uh, you know, with the idea that Bigfoot's just an animal, we'll leave out the interdimensional part. If Bigfoot's just an animal, if Bigfoot gets hot as a topic then it's good because this is, uh, increases the chances that we will find it. So if the, the longer it heats up, I guess, the better it is for, for them finding a Bigfoot. Yeah, well, either it's a paranormal animal, which means it does, it's not physical all the time, which I think, or it's a lot smarter than we think it is, and it knows how to cover its <laughs> cover its tracks, cover its, like, they'll bury their dead or something like that, so nobody will ever find a dead Bigfoot anywhere. Right, right. It's certainly... It's certainly elusive. It's definitely elusive. It's very, uh, I find it, you know, I always go back to the Bigfoot because I find it so fascinating, but I, it's a kind of, it was kind of a down year in a way because it was sort of a lot of churning. There wasn't really anything that I thought was really... Yeah, like, nothing in a new exciting. direction or a new thing. Yeah, or it's especially like, coming oh, off... a new twist on it that's, that we haven't seen before. Right, coming off the year we had uh, talking about Dr. Sykes and, and all that stuff. Uh, you know, with the with the DNA tests and and it was like yeah. 2013 was all about Bigfoot DNA. 2014 was like not really, you know, you couldn't really follow that. It was a tough act to follow, I guess, is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah, so. and I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think anybody's ever gonna. It, it will be unsolved. I think forever. Right. I really think that nobody's ever gonna be able to bring in some. A dead Bigfoot. It just, it's, it, I don't think it's going to happen because why has it happened up to now? No evidence whatsoever, and like, and no, no dead Bigfoot. You see, people have found dead bears, dead deers, dead bears are really rare. You can't find too many dead, dead bears in the wilderness, but people find them. Um, I don't know why that is. I, I looked online once. It's like, what is the record for finding, you know, deceased bears in in the forests and stuff? It's really spotty. Um, but they found them. Nobody's ever found a dead Bigfoot ever, ever, ever. Yeah. So why is that? I don't know. Oh, you know what? <laughs> what? The funniest thing about Bigfoot that one of the researchers told me um, when I got him like alone, uh, uh, not at a conference or anything, just like talking. This guy said Bigfoot mimics people. Yeah, you t- we talked about this before. Yeah, he swears at people and shit. He takes on yeah. their voices. Yeah, they, 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 like a parrot, except with like some intelligence, like making fun of people. I've never heard that anywhere though. Did this guy tell you this on like the QT, or is this like written somewhere? Because I no, no, he told. Yeah, he told me. He just told me personally when I was talking to him. 
I don't know, I'd he like didn't say, like, more. don't tell anybody this, but he just said, yeah, no, obviously, about clearly this, but a lot of researchers it. talk about this, and I've experienced it myself. He said, when so we lost a guy when we were out camping, uh, but he finally came back. But we were out, like, looking for him, going, you know, hey, hey, you know, hey, Bob, or whatever his name was. Hey, Dave. I was like, Dave, where are you, you know? And in the middle of the night, they said something came crashing through the, the through the uh, camp, and it was saying, hey, hey, Dave, hey. Jesus. And they were like, what the hell? They thought it was somebody there messing with them, and they realized it was a big, stinky, hairy, bigfootish thing saying, hey, Dave. Oh, God. Before that, they thought it was somebody messing with them. They said, oh, Dave, oh, fuck off, Dave. And, the, and they, they said the, the, the thing, whatever it was, said, oh, fuck off, Dave. Jesus. <laughs> That's so weird, man. That's so either that's so... a really funny, like, messing with me tall tale, or like part of the Bigfoot thing that nobody knows about, which I think is hilarious. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I got to find out more about that, this. What does that mean? What does that tell you? I don't know. I got to look at, yeah, that's just fucking weird, man. That's just really weird. Uh, I remember you telling us that last year, and it was like, I still don't know what to make of that. I should have asked more people. I, I, we should put a yeah, call out here. People who know about this. I love that thing. I, Get us I love some info on that because it's really weird. But as far as uh, the Bigfoot goes, yeah, I don't know. It, the, it, Red Pill Junkie asked about the – we had a show in October. Uh, I don't know. You may be filming it. I don't know. But uh, Adam Davies came on, and he came on with uh, Lori Simmons, and they revealed about how Brian Sykes, who did the Bigfoot DNA – the Yeti DNA tests in 2013, uh, he went out and did like a secret expedition to uh, where she believes she communes with the Bigfoot, and he apparently, uh, you know, became a believer, let's say, in the Bigfoot, because it was so clear that there was something going on there. That's probably the best. You'd ha- you really have to listen to the interview, but, you know, I, can't, I don't want to put words in his mouth. And that's because what Rep Hill Junkie asks is, is pertinent, I think. I was going to mention it sort of at the end of the show, and that was that, you know, what, what, this Sykes guy, he's supposed to be writing about what happened in his book that's coming out next year. Yeah. Uh, so the big question is, what is this guy going to say about this story? Because uh, it's pretty fantastic. Like, he was out there, to give you sort of a really brief thumbnail, and I'm really not doing it justice, like, he came out with Adam Davies to this ravine or whatever, where this lady apparently can talk to the Bigfoot, like, says shit, and the Bigfoot hits sticks and stuff. And uh, Sykes, you know, a lot of, uh, I guess, stuff happened that, that, you know, convinced him pretty much that there was a Bigfoot there. But they didn't get any DNA, which made it even weirder. And they tried all these, like, things to do DNA. Yeah. So, again, I don't want to put words in his mouth. That's the question. Did he become a believer out of the whole thing? Or is he going to come out, what if the book says that all this is, like, crazy and that he thinks he was duped or something? I don't know. I'd be surprised if he says that. But it's like we we haven't heard any comment from him on this really interesting story that – that he commissioned some kind of expedition and, and you know, went went looking for the Bigfoot. How long ago was this? Like a year and a half ago. So he hasn't said anything about it yet? No, it was a secret until uh, October. But that that's that's it. He just said he went on the expedition and they were gonna Well no, gonna... Adam Davies talked about it and uh had pictures and stuff. So it definitely happened. I mean he has emails and so I I'd be stunned if it turns out if this guy's like no, I don't even know who the Adam Davies is, you know. But that would make the story even crazier because then I'd be like, well, what the hell is going on here, Adam? So that I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting what Sykes will say about all this. But I'm afraid he's going to just dismiss it or uh, downplay it. I'm afraid that's going to happen because I'm a yeah, – Because I'm, once I'm again, there's, you know, 
what, somebody went out and they got convinced that there was something going on? H- hundreds of people have done that. Right. If he says it, though, it's a good thing because he's, you know, esteemed. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, well, then if he's esteemed, he might want to che- – he's probably going to check uh, how his esteem is going to be uh, – Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what makes me nervous. Affected by saying, yeah, I really do believe that there's something going on here. <laughs> that's what makes me nervous. So, yeah. So to, that's my answer, Red Pill Junkie. I have no idea what, uh, you know, what he's going to say. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he says, and I hope he I hope he says something something that people take notice of. But I'm afraid they won't. Yeah, they won't. But it's another. It's just like the UFO thing. We're gonna have to change the ways we look at things, or somebody's gonna have to capture a Bigfoot and put it in a cage or something where everybody can look at it, which isn't going to happen. Right. Um, I'm fairly certain it's not going to happen. I would love it if it happened. I love uh, I love zoos. As you know, so I would I would be a big really? fan. There's a the, the do you see that personhood thing with the orangutans that came up recently? I can't remember what country it is, but Brazil or I think it was a South America country passed a law saying that that uh, that orangutans at least are quasi-human and they should they therefore should not be in zoos. Really. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I guess I would. They have emotions. I don't think they like being cooped up. Um, but nobody really ever cared about that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just as I'm, I'm not a I'm not a bleeding heart. I'm not I, I'm not over emotional. But you know, if if you're hurting a conscious being by cap, keeping it captive, is it right to do so? I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know what to make of that. You know, where do you draw the line? I don't know. Maybe you draw the line at if we don't keep them captive, there won't be any left that we can we can reproduce and put back out into the wild at some point. That I kind of agree with. Yeah, sure, they'll suffer for a little while, but at least they won't disappear off the face of the earth. Exactly. Um, let me see. I lost my train of thought here. Oh, well, we'll move on here because we, 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 we cooked the Bigfoot longer than I thought. Yeah. Um, oh, we had a lot more to talk about than I thought. I was like, oh, I didn't look at any of this stuff. I'm going to be so stupid. But yeah, when you and I get going, it just goes. So Yeah. Here are some more. Uh, these are kind of off the beaten path ones, but kind of last year I did a top five, and these kind of I think would fall into the, the bigger overarching big picture stories. Yeah. I thought the the Sony hack I thought was really interesting because it kind of continues with this ongoing uh, this ongoing sort of idea of like the internet being insecure. Yeah, and the shadowiness of the internet and the shadiness of it all, uh, all those you know, the Sony hack. Also, people, you got to connect that to all the celebrity nudes that got released earlier this year. So it's like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it, it, it could be a bigger story. I think it's going to be a bigger story. I, I'm afraid that like people are going to push for their own, for, push for like security of the internet to their own detriment. Yeah. Well, I think I saw some story about this where some commentator said, you're just going to have to assume everybody's watching what you're doing. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have security in place and people shouldn't protect their privacy and all that. But no matter who you are, you're going to have to assume that if you have pictures or said something that's going to exist somewhere or wrote something electronically, it's going to exist somewhere and somebody's going to have to have access to it. The other weird thing is when the Sony hack happened, I knew before it was in the news. Oh, because you work for, uh, not for Sony, but you work for one of these places? I work for a place that does work for Sony, and we got an email one morning a couple months ago saying Sony is shut down right now because their entire system has been hacked. 
and we're like, huh, what? Yeah. And they they even showed us the little, you know, like uh, the GOP or whatever the person, the, the, the hacker was hiding behind, or hackers, I don't know what, were hiding behind. And we're like, wow, this is, it's, it, you know, immediately there was a shutdown in all of our emails. They they told us not to open suspicious emails, well, as normal, but because yeah. a lot of our work is with Sony and they thought they would be able to get into our system, too. As it turned out, they didn't. Um. And the other weird thing is Sony does business with lots and lots of people, and we haven't heard about anything anybody else having a problem. Right. That whole thing is, is weird. Uh, well, here's the thing, too. I think that um, I found myself kind of annoyed because everybody got on this thing where the, the government was like, oh, North Korea did it, and then a whole bunch of people were like, not so fast. Uh uh, I don't ex- think experts Korea, say North Korea didn't I read a whole bunch of articles it. about it. And also, I, you know, Sony is like four blocks from where I work. Right. Well, I guess the, the point I want to make is, like, it doesn't matter in a sense who did it. It's, you really need to just pay attention to, like, what the hell is going to happen next. Like, yeah. trying what to figure out do? why it happened, like, who did it, you're just wasting your time. It's because cause it's like, well, what the hell, how are they going to respond to this, you know? That's the scary part. That's the thing that people should be, like, concerned about. Because, like... If some 14-year-old in his basement did the Sony hack, the government doesn't really give a fuck because they can look at it and go, well, here's a great opportunity to kind of push for uh, – got to have yeah. a thumbprint to get online. Yeah. You know? here's a, People are going to get behind that now, you know? It's like every – it's like a drip, drip, drip. Every little thing is kind of going to push people towards, like, this thing where it's, it's, it's a more locked-down system, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of like the uh, the the uh, 9/11 um, uh, made it happen or let it happen. Exactly, exactly. So I don't even know who was you know. I try not to think about who was behind it because it's like it doesn't really. It's kind of like a UFO thing, and I don't really know what <laughs> what to make of it. Like who was behind it? There's a million theories. You know? Yeah, well, I wish I was. Uh, I wish I was up on uh, internet stuff and hacking and all that. Uh, the little, the bunch of things I've read, which probably everybody listening has read too, is kind of like, let's look at this dispassionately. You know, based on you know people that have worked in the industry of of computer security, and look at and see who might have been uh, responsible for this. And none of it points to North Korea at all. Right. Right. So you start wondering, it's like, you know, the, it's like, why are we trying to be, and people accepted it right away. I mean, people are like passionately, I don't know how you can think it was. It's like, why did yeah. you accept that suddenly? What what, what made you re- think that you had to accept what you were told immediately? That, that's, that's, that's frightening too. Well, the whole story seems so like perfectly plausible in a fictional way Yes, that you're like, that it's easy to sell to the people who aren't going to question it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds it sounds like, like it, it was like a crafted story. It's like, oh, there's a movie about you know North Korea, and now North Korea is mad, so they did this, and it's like, yeah, it, but they never mentioned it before the before they started talking about what the movie was going to be about and when it was going to be released. A hacker didn't care about it then. Right, right. The point I'm trying to make is that it's it's co-opted. You know, then it turns yeah. into. That people see it and they're like, oh, we could actually use this if we spun it this way to do this, yes. that, and the other thing. Yeah, everything has already come out. It's like, you know, well, Sony did the entire thing themselves, or George Clooney did it to Sony, or whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, any theories about it? I can't even remember what they all are. All, all I'm 
fairly convinced of probably 90% or more is that North Korea didn't really have anything to do with it whatsoever. Yeah, probably not. I mean, why would they, you know. Yeah. It seems and everything that's, uh, everything that's come after it has just kind of been like fallout from what somebody wanted us to believe, but most likely the FBI and the U.S. government. Uh elements of the U.S. government. People say the U.S. government, they think it's like this monolith that all moves in one big thing, like a giant you know, chess piece or something. It's not. It's like a billion little pieces. Yeah, yeah. It's like some with more power and, and reach and uh, media access than others. That goes without saying. It's like the mailman's part of the government, so it's, it's, a, it's a whole yeah, mess. But if people always say the government does this, it's like, well, some part of the government may not agree with that whatsoever. It's just that they're not winning right now. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's the case most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so that, that that story I think is a big a big, big story and it's part of the ongoing sort of uh vilification of the internet or the, the concerns surrounding it. But the internet still gets bigger and bigger and better and better, so it's, Yeah, it's like it's you know what, it's like it, we've been beating around this, but it's like the internet's nine eleven. In a way, yeah, I guess. You know, I suppose it is. Yeah. Cause they, yeah, I guess because they took the movie down at first, and then they really released the movie, and it was like, yeah, I guess in a way it was like the biggest sort of, you know, if we look, if, 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 uh, and I did see the movie, and I thought it was awesome, by the way. So Really? Okay. If, if you like that kind of movie, I mean, it goes without saying. I really heard from people that they thought it was pretty good. If you like Pineapple Express, it's essentially Pineapple Express as a spy movie. So oh, okay. You kind of know what you're getting into with that. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I guess it was kind of like that, it, the 9-11 analogy, because it was like the biggest thing, and it, it, it kind of got everybody all fired up. Yeah. I don't know why I thought of this. You know what my favorite spy movie is, silly spy movie, is, um, what's that one with, uh, no, I can't think of the name, but Spies The In-Laws. Like what's that? The In-Laws. Meet with the Fockers? Alan Arkin oh. and... Uh, no, I can't remember his name. A bunch of people. Anyway, yeah, it's a guy. Um, it's a guy that's actually in the CIA, and the guy's marrying into his family. Right. Meet the Fockers. Right. Yeah, with Robert De Niro and Ben Stiller yeah. and all that. Like that, but this was like made the seventies. Oh. You know, he drags this guy. He, the guy's a dentist. Alan Arkin's a dentist, and he drags him into all his CIA stuff, and he, he gets more and more and more crazy. Things get more and more and more crazy, and. And stupid and funny until finally at the end he's like he comes to peace with it and um, I think he parachutes out of a plane or something at his daughter's wedding or something I I can't remember Jesus. all right it's one of the funniest it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen somebody in the chat room some, figure out what that was like can try to take it over and the the leader's totally insane and he um, he has a portrait done of himself except it's on black velvet with like two naked women <laughs> Jesus it's it's one of the funniest movies ever I mean it's like Classically hilarious. The in-laws, yeah. All right. I'll check it Peter out. Peter Falk. Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. All right. <laughs> we got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the Internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The other story I thought was, this is also a super hot-button topic. I don't want to really get into. Oh, well, oh I know what you're going to say. What? Okay, we'll see. We'll see. Go ahead. Well, well, I don't. I really don't. I don't want to belabor all the points that the mainstream media belabors. So the, the point yeah. I'm interested in. Well, the story is Ferguson. Was that what you were expecting? Yep. Wow. Okay. Um, 
and beyond the whole like Dateline NBC, what happened, who shot who, and all that stuff that's been done. I didn't watch any of that. Yeah, I think the the thing that upsets me, concerns me about the whole Ferguson thing is just that it seemed like the it seemed like the media really wants racial unrest, and they it, it, like they were kind of like trying to gin it up during the during the Zimmerman thing. And yep. then and then this thing came along this year and they got their riots that they really wanted in the in the Zimmerman thing. It feels like part of me I'm wondering, is it like am I you know, are they trying to craft this world? Are they trying to stir up this feeling because you know yeah, things. What's that? Maybe for ratings. I guess. I wonder I mean I mean I don't know. For ratings or or me. just you know, maybe they're just kind of it, the super conspiratorial side makes you wonder, like, if if just unrest is <laughs> is what yeah, the powers that be want, you know, that like more law. Yeah, you wonder that that's the kind of thing that that troubles me about the whole thing, you know, beyond yeah. like the facts of the case. It's like it's kind of like the whole missing white girl syndrome, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Right. It's like people go missing all the time. It's like, why are these cases chosen to be the flavor of the week? And it's like, so now we're on a a really unsettling, like, series of, of you know, racially charged stories. Well, I think the country's a lot more racially charged than it's been in years, or at least the stuff that used to be underground is not so underground anymore. And it's it's a little frightening. And it's easy to fan those flames, unfortunately. And people are very unhappy about a lot of things. I just saw this thing where the the this quote supposedly from Lyndon Johnson and said, "You can take the poorest white person if you can make him think he's superior to the poorest black person. He'll give you his money. He'll give you all his money." And that, that's that's a hor- and he wasn't saying that because he was a racist. He was saying it, saying, "Isn't this isn't this the way I took it? Is like, isn't this the most ridiculous thing you ever heard?" They're both poor. They're both screwed up. They're both trodden upon. They're both used. And yet, if you can you keep them fighting with each other, you can separate them and not have them give you any problem. Right, right. Well, that's the whole thing, too. I think we've. I'm sure it's come up on the show. I've done like 200 plus episodes, but it's it's not a black and white issue. It's a really a class issue, and people need yeah. to figure that out. And and that goes back to the do the powers that be want this racial unrest? Of course they do, because you know. That way people aren't, you know, it's a, you haven't heard much about the 99 and the 1% since all this stuff yeah, exactly. came along, you know. Now it's, it's about now it's about black people and white other. people, you know. Yeah. And then there was a whole thing about, like, this. I don't know if you follow this Gamergate thing. This was, like, an online thing that, that was, like, all about sort of uh, gender and, and sex and, you know, uh, feminism and that kind of thing. It was, like, a big uh, internet problem or uh, or fight or I've whatever. I've heard a little bit about that, and then recently there's been the skeptic thing with Michael Shermer and his controversy with, like, supposedly getting women drunk and nailing them at conferences and then, you know, uh, and then the, the whole exposing the whole thing at the, this is kind of a boys' club and they don't treat women very well, and a lot of them have realized that and split off into their own skeptical movement of women and, and it's yeah, it's it's like it's <laughs> all the stuff you thought in the sixties and seventies. Everybody's coming together. It's all like breaking apart again. 
Oh yeah, as uh, as Jim Latica says in the chat room, and as we we chose for one of the pictures on the year in review thing, Bill Cosby. How about poor Bill Cosby? Well, I don't know about poor Bill Cosby, but just Jesus, Bill Cosby. That's probably a better way to put it. Exactly. I I don't know what happened <laughs> with him either. He's already been tried and convicted in the you know in, in the in the news. I I have no idea what happened. It looks right. bad. I don't know if there's ever a trial if any of that stuff's going to come out. I looked at the 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 uh, testimony, the grand jury testimony of the who's the police officer in Ferguson, and it looked, and then the testimony of like the guy that was with um, what's his name, whatever his friend, and it's they're very similar up to the point where the guy opens the door. Then they diverge very quickly and very differently. Yeah. Well, that yeah yeah. So and, and above all this, I mean, I have I have a couple friends that are police, and they're extremely like irritated, pissed off, and you know, and mad at the media, and mad at uh, a lot of people. And the the I, it's really bad because I think the cops over the last I, I never had a good experience with police when I was younger, and I'm not like I guess maybe I looked I don't know I don't because you're white. a radical. I don't know. I mean, I've I've been in situations where I tried to help the police by offering my services, not service, but offering up witness testimony for them, and they've like pepper sprayed you, slammed me down on the car hood, oh, and an arm up behind my back while I'm trying to explain to them. I say, I saw what happened, and you know, I get that much out of my mouth, and the and this was you know, fifteen twenty years ago. Jesus Christ! Well, I don't have a real good opinion of the police, and I'm you know, I don't. I'm not walking around in, in – I'm not driving – I wasn't driving a bad car. I wasn't the wrong color. I didn't have, you know – Were you in a bad I neighborhood? I nice in multiple occasions, and the police treated me horribly. So I don't have – it's hard for me to have a lot of sympathy for the police. But, you know, they also – many of them have an extremely hard, difficult job, and they – you know, it's, it's hard not to get cynical and nasty and all that. But the, that's all the more reason that they shouldn't be. And I think on both sides, everybody's getting very excited very quickly, and that's bad. Right. You know, the police are going to be even more trigger happy, and people are going to be even more likely to freak out on the cops. And it's it. I I don't know what's going to I don't know what it's going to end with. I, I'm kind of scared. Well, what was really scary too is uh, then that crazy guy went and shot those cops, and like he said, it's like a big part of me was like, oh Jesus Christ, this is the last thing we need. We don't need like. Yeah, exactly. The, you know, with the copycat effect, we just do not need that out into the world. Like that idea. Oh no, we don't. I I have no. I don't think anybody should be killed for any of these reasons. It's it's stupid and frightening, and I I I, I don't take sides. I I do know that I've been treated badly by cops. It doesn't mean all cops are bad. It also doesn't mean we should get rid of the cops or start killing start start killing them. But something needs to change. Right. I like the idea of making them wear body like body cameras, but. Uh... You know, I don't even know how far that could go or if they're ever going to do it. And then they're trying to pass laws saying, I don't know what the basis is for the laws trying to be passed in certain states where you are not ab- are not allowed to videotape police anymore. See, that's ridiculous. Public is not, which is like, what? They should be the first people recorded. They should have the first, like, line of, 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 of recording, you know? And if, yeah, like, the cop – like, if the – I really like to hear what the rationale behind it is. I'm sure that somebody thinks it's good. Maybe it could convince me, but I don't know. But what's good? Did they get cameras? That, that, uh, well, that you that can't video. The public should not be allowed to videotape police doing whatever they're doing. I can't think of a good reason for it. I'd like to, fi- fi- I'd like to see what, it, what, what, they're, what they're proposing. I guess I could just look it up. Yeah, I have no idea. All I'm saying is that uh, 
they they should be the first people who are who are on video. So, you know, and if they can't produce the video, they should it should really impugn their whatever testimony they have. So yeah, well, and you know, in I don't a situation know. like let's say let's go back to 1975 and whatever, young young Greg is slammed on the pavement by the by the cop. If it happened, I wasn't. Like, I was not very old then. I said <laughs> I said young Greg. I, I said young Greg. Uh, so, so, you know, then you could go down to the police station if this was like 2015 and be like, hey, Officer uh, Dingus, slam me on the concrete, and then they can be like, Officer Dingus, is this true? Show us your video. And then he could be like, either, yeah, he shows the video of him doing it, or he's like, oh, the video malfunctioned. And they're like, well, you're you're in trouble then. Yeah, well, I, I, nothing horrible happened to me. It was just very – I know. Dis- I'm just making an example of how it could be rude. But, then, you know, the police can be disturbing and rude, and that's that's part of their job and whatever. But yeah, when it fine. escalates into something, then we really do need that video coverage. Exactly. Uh, speaking of copycats – I, I wanted to mention too. I talked about this with Lauren Coleman. I thought you'd be kind of uh, intrigued by this. Maybe you could add some insight. Uh, just because the more people I talk to about it, the more it seems like I'm hearing more about it. And that's uh, when Robin Williams killed himself. There was like this suicide cluster afterwards, where like a bunch of people killed themselves. I'm sure of it. There was a, at least a, a rush on the hotline of suicide prevention, and I knew of at least two people that killed themselves like within a couple weeks. It was very unsettling. It was really, really like this is not, this is this is kind of chilling. This is like freaky. Yeah. What did Lauren say about it? He's the one that told me that there was the rush on the uh, on the suicide hotline. Okay. Well, so he was just reporting that he noticed this. Did he have any kind of? Because I know he's his. I think it was is... like probably cited in some article somewhere. You know? Yeah. And 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 then in turn I knew of people. So that then it became a suicide cluster to me because I knew three people: Robin Williams and then these two. Other people, so it was like, all right, something weird's going on here. And then I asked him about it. In general, kind of a shitty year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think it's like this kind of thing where, well, Lauren said if he had, if he had tried to kill himself and then survived, it actually would have saved a ton of people. As crazy as that sounds, because then they would say, holy shit, this guy, you know, he had. Blah, blah, blah. You can fill in the blanks, you know? Everything so, going from blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And, funny guy, blah, blah, blah. Right. So it's like, it's a very it's a very fine line. It's very, like, it's unfortunate. That's probably the best way to put it. It was really unfortunate that he killed himself, and then it was really unfortunate that it sort of spawned this this kind of malaise on people who were, the ones who were kind of already on the edge. It might have been the fucking thing that gave him a little push, and that's just, you know, that's tragic. So. Yeah, it is, and I don't know what the answer for that is, except for the the fact that I guess they found out that he had some kind of neurological disorder that predisposed him to that, and he had had it for many years. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. You know, I've I've had friends that have I, I've, once. Well, I've I've had problems in that area too. Really long time ago, when I was in my twenties, like a lot of people. But I, I've you know I've got had friends that have said I think I'm thinking of killing myself and. I kind—I don't make a joke out of it, but I kind of do. I kind of have a well. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, it's the last thing that they expect to hear. And I don't say, "Well, go ahead and do it." I'll just make a joke, like a girl—a uh, girl I do, a friend of mine, not a girlfriend, but she said, "I'm—I'm I'm thinking of killing myself." And I said, "Well, that's too bad. I wish you wouldn't." And I said, "But if you do, can I have your records?" And she cracked up. Yeah. Well, that's good. You didn't. I mean, I don't know if it was due to me or anything, but, you know, it's like you tell it if if you have a friend that's having a cancer uh, uh, episode, you know, 
dealing with cancer and you make a cancer joke, nobody laughs at a cancer joke more than a cancer patient. Right, right. As long as you, they know the parameters. If they don't know you, it's bad taste. But if they're a friend of yours, it's fine. In fact, it helps. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, just, just, when I think of, of, of uh, the subject of suicide, that those thoughts come up to me, just things that have happened around me and how I've dealt with it and, you know, how other people, I've dealt with people around me that are doing it. And if somebody wants to do it anyway, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, how do you prevent somebody from just saying, well, if Robin Williams did it, then I guess I can. It's like, what, what, what do you do about that? You know, you I, guess, really... I guess just talk to people. If if somebody comes to you asking for help, you know, the the best thing you do is talk to them about it. I guess, and not be. I tend not to get really emotional and freaked out or anything about things. I just try to be, kind of, I don't know about logical, but I don't. I tend not to get excited because I think that ruins things. If you get emotionally excited about things and you stop thinking rationally, a lot of stuff goes out the window. Well, that's definitely the case. Let's. That seems to be in, in keeping with how you and I <laughs> look at this stuff, you know. I guess so. I, I mean, excited I about don't really have an explanation anymore. for, you know, why that happened, and I agree with you. It's bad. It's terrible. But Yeah, no, I wasn't asking you why it happened. I was just kind of making an observation. Like, it's weird that, you know, it's Yeah, it's it is just, It is weird. Just, I mean, uh, you talk about weird shit you didn't expect to happen this year, you know. It's like that was that would be one story that you're like, well, you know. If I told you last year's thing, I'm like, yeah, some celebrity's going to kill himself, then a whole bunch of people are going to be depressed and kind of, you know. And, and do the same. Yeah. It's, like, weird. Why um, is, you know, I, as funny as Steve Martin is, I don't think he has any kind of, like, weird psychological problems, as far as I can tell, that's ever been reported or I can see in his writing or anything like that. Other like, What does this have to do with Steve Martin? Like Bill Burr. You can tell the guy is, very, is, is pretty pretty not screwed up but he's very conflicted and therein lies the, the source of a lot of his comedy yeah the tears of a clown thing you know yeah comedians are a strange bunch anyway so it, you know i guess in that sense it's fatalistic and weird and inappropriate and all that stuff that makes us laugh because they're going to say stuff that nobody else says but that's because a lot of them have gone through it i mean who why is louis ck so funny it's because uh, and as erica keith said on my show he's going he's going through the embarrassment for us <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> well this is the, isn't it like uh it, it is kind of like weird every time i i see one of these like celebrity deaths like every year of course like a whole bunch of celebrities die it gets more and more like creepy in a sense cuz it's like you know i'm getting old man we're going into a year now with no Robin Williams or Joan Rivers or, uh, yeah, you know, or Philip Seymour Hoffman or or, uh, or any of these folks. It's like really, <laughs> you, know, you know, who's still alive? Older. Who's still and alive? Amazes everybody. Abe Vigoda is still alive. Yeah, of course. He's like ninety three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess He's fine. He's not having any problems. He just happens to be. It's like the one guy. There used to be a website like celebrities you think are dead but aren't yet. Angela Lansbury is in a play right now. What's she like? Ninety two. What is going on over there? Uh, it's my phone. Uh, actually, you know who just called on my phone? Robert Larson, the co-founder of the Excluded Middle magazine, and one of my best friends just left a message. I guess. Nice, nice. Um, 
Yeah, if you go to Is Abe Bogota Dead, it actually has an updated. Kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a real, uh, it's a real website. It just says if you just go there, it just says no. So no. <laughs> when he eventually dies, I presume it'll be changed to yes, but uh, <laughs> because they reported that he died like 20 years ago too, that's kind of part of the joke with Abe Bogota that they it got around. This was before the, it was like a death hoax, not like you know how the hell. It goes around like it gets viral and shit nowadays. Yeah, I think William Shatner had one of those. A lot of people had them. Yeah, he had one like in the 70s or 80s. It was like where before like when it was hard to shake that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where for like months there were people that were like certain that he was dead. Um, well, yeah, we started talking about suicide, then we were just talking about making a joke out of people that should be dead, you think are, uh, by all rights, should probably be dead, and they're still alive. I think that's it's it's a funny vein of comedy, I guess. Yeah, in fact, there are websites where you can go, like, they'll list TV shows, and they'll tell you who on the cast is still alive, or if they're not, what they died from. Oh, weird. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, like, I think... None of the cast of your show of shows. Oh no, Mel, uh, uh, Carl Reiner is still alive. He's the only one left. Yeah, you know. But then, like Baywatch, everybody's still alive. You know. <laughs> right, like Golden Girls is only like one of the ladies is left. Uh, yeah, Betty White. Exactly. Um, well, I guess we're in the we're in that sad, sad, sad realm. So uh, the now I'm I really should apologize. I think I've done this in years past too, where. I didn't do a very good job of looking over the obits of of the paranormal world, but the one that really stood out to me was Roger Lear. Seems like we lose at least one sort of really big star in ufology every year, which is kind of scary. But uh, you know, I I can't think of it off the top of my head. But every year it seems. I think last year was like Lloyd Pye. A few years ago was uh, Mac Tony's for God's sakes. But yeah, you know, Jim Mosley was a year before. Jim Mosley, Bud Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems like every year we lose someone, you know, who is uh who if not an A-list player, someone who at one point or another was, you know. So, I didn't even really know Roger Lee was before my time. Um, I never had him on the show, which is a disappointment. Uh, but I I you you've been in this a lot longer than I have and you've been to more events and stuff than I have. Uh, did you ever like encounter him? Did you ever meet him? Did you ever, you know, have any sort of interaction with him? Yeah. The last interaction I had with him was the contact in the desert thing last year or the year before, whatever, the uh, 2013, the, that conference out in uh, Joshua Tree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came out there and he had like some, you know, companion woman secretary, something. I mean, nothing, it, it, not, not something nasty or salacious or anything like that, not dirty old man thing. But I think it was just some woman that was like basically liked him, was taking care of him. Or was for the weekend. Anyway, we took this trip out to Giant Rock, and they asked me to take pictures of both of them. I, I talked to him before. You know, I don't totally agree with him. I think he's, you know, I thought he was, he got too far into his own thing and didn't really listen to the criticism after a while, which is unfortunate. But I don't think I don't think he was crazy or bad or anything like that. I just didn't agree with him. Yeah, nice guy. I mean, perfectly nice guy. I, I got along with him great. But we were out at Giant Rock, and he said, "Could you take a picture of us, like me and uh, her, and that uh, him and that uh, woman and somebody else, like some friend of theirs?" So I took a few pictures with their with their um, little tiny, you know, uh, little digital camera and gave it to them. And they were looking at the picture. They said, "Oh, look, there's orbs." And I looked at it. I said, "That's dust. It's windy out." <laughs> 
And they looked at me, and, and Lear and the woman looking at me, and they're like, what do you mean? Are you some kind of skeptic? I was like, the wind blew by, and there was dust flying around. It's like, well, they're in this picture, and they're not in this. I was like, well, there wasn't dust flying by in that picture. But you took them seconds apart. And I was like, but there wasn't dust in that picture. It's a lot easier for me. To, and I said, whatever. <laughs> it's like, I won't, I won't argue with you anymore. Yeah. And well, I, cause I think there are such things as anomalies in pictures, but uh, the orb thing I think is almost certainly, and I've read a scientific study on this, where they said we took pictures in this room with different cameras, and it turns out the cheaper cameras with the flashes, you get all kinds of orbs on them, which turned out to be dust in the room. And the more expensive cameras firing at the same time from the same angle with flashes would not get them. Yeah. So it has to do with the coatings on the lenses and how many lens elements there are and all that and how clear the picture is going to be with those lens elements. That being said, there's there's still some anomalous things going on in a lot of photos, videos, and films that can't be explained. But I think most things that people think of as orbs are. Anyway, that was my last encounter with Lear. And the thing is, like, right afterwards, he didn't hold it against me. It wasn't like, you know, you asshole later. He, he t- I talked to him later, and we got along perfectly well. So, yeah, you know, nice guy. Don't totally agree with him, but I'm not a podiatrist, and I didn't do the things he did. So what do I know? Yeah. I wish I had a chance to talk to him. Uh, I don't know why I never did, got around to it, so it's too yeah. bad. Uh, and it, yeah, it's, an, and it's unfortunate. Anybody, it's unfortunate that anybody's gone, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, like, except if they're like, you know, horrible mass murderers or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can't think of any uh, horrible mass murderer that died this year, but it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Uh, I, I do want to mention also, though, uh, Philip Spencer, who was on BOA Audio a long time ago. I can't think of the season off the top of my head. Uh, you probably don't know him, but he uh, he was an author and a filmmaker, and he I don't know if he actually made the film, but he was in it. Uh, the Wild Man of Kentucky, the Mystery of Panther Rock, and he was a great guy. He was actually really, really cool and uh, just fun, gregarious, good-natured. Uh, you know, just someone who I, I thought was uh, was doing good work. So uh, it's really too bad uh, that he passed away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's just been. I don't know what it was with this year, especially the end here. But my father-in-law has had some health problems that we've been dealing with for a while, and. You know, my mom isn't doing so well, but, you know, she's getting along. But it's just like, I get, I don't know what it is. I guess I'm just getting older, so people are starting to get sick and ill and die. Well, that's what I was saying about getting older and these celebrities dying. It's like, you, at some point we're going to, you know, at some point there's going to be celebrities that are like, I think like Keith Oberman made a, a joke about this, like, uh forget who retired recently in baseball. Oh, J- Jeter, when he says like, you know, Eventually, when he was a baseball reporter, he he found like the last player who was older than him, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. "Please don't!" And like him and all the baseball writers got together, and they're like, "Dude, we'll pay you to play for a team just as long as there's a baseball player that's older than me." You know, that's like how I feel when I see these celebrities die. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna get to the point now where someday all the celebrities are gonna be younger than me, and it's gonna be like, "This is I, I don't I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm horrified." <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. You know, half the time people talk about TV and movie people, and I work in like post production, and I half the time don't know who these people are. You know, until I watched a few of Sherlock Holmes, I didn't know who Benedict Cumberbund or whatever his name is was. Yeah, I heard about him a lot, but I couldn't figure out who he was either for a long time. It's weird. Yeah. 
<laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. But anyway, yeah. I've, 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 I watched the thing, which was very good. I really liked the Sherlock Holmes that they did. But, um, you know, it's like getting harder. And I don't hardly ever watch TV or anything. We got, we've like pay for TV, whatever satellite here. And I think we watch it like twice a week if that. And maybe that's the way things are going. I don't know. It's, it's the way things are going for me. And the, the way that video and film and all that is going is turning into like an individual or a home thing and not a theater thing anymore. And so we, who knows where that's going to go. Well, I think the Internet and everything and, and DVRs have turned this into like a an on-demand culture. Yeah. Entertainment-wise. So, And it kind of like started in a lot of ways with podcasting too because it's like people can listen whenever they want, you know. So it's this the idea of like ratings and competition don't mean much anymore. It's about putting out like the best shit you can, at least as far yeah, well, as it's, a lot it's, of fields. Uh, it's hits. If right. you go on YouTube, and I think if you get like more than five thousand views, they start bugging you with uh, commercial offers. Ah. Oh. I think if you hit maybe it's ten thousand, but some five or ten thousand, they start offering you commercials. Like the guy with the stupid, like the dog with the, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. I think they've like they probably have made enough money to buy a house by now, you know, and the, we, and the grumpy cat, and the, you know all this stuff, all this meme stuff. It's completely different than you know even five years ago. And I'm I'm trying. I was talking to somebody about possibly putting together some kind of TV show at some point, and he and he said, "Do you realize that Red Pill Junkie uh, mentioned this too? It's like, do you realize that the the model that people have for making a TV show is is." probably going to be dead pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. You don't where you make a pilot and you go to some place or you go to some place and you pitch something or you've got an experimental film or like a little piece of video that you shot and then you present it to a network or something and then they give you like money to do a pilot and then if they like the pilot you're, that that's I don't think people at work have discussed this too. I don't think that's the model anymore. That um YouTube has a like a like a a main production center like three miles from where I work. And one, a guy from work went there and told me what they were doing there. It was it was amazing. You can broadcast anything from anywhere now. Yeah. And you can make it look like however you want. You can go out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, and do a live, um, uh, live feed with no phone line, with no satellite, with cell phones. And they go and look online for this. They're, 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 they sell these um, arrays where you can plug four or five, six or eight or ten cell phones into this unit, and it will broadcast your video signal on whatever happens to be the strongest signal at that time, and it's continuously going around and searching for the strongest signal. Amazing stuff, to me, anyway. No, it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's yeah. pretty awesome, but I forget how we got on to that topic. Uh, I don't know. Either. Oh, the on-demand culture of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's you know the good things about it, and there's bad things about it. Like people can be very emotional very quickly over something that was just shot five minutes ago with no time to have any kind of uh, circumspect look at something. It just become very emotional very quickly, which is what a lot of people do, and that's where a lot of problems start. I think. Yeah. Well, we're at the three-minute mark, so we'll kind of like ease into uh, the post-show. Uh, of course, we want to thank all the folks in the chat room, Red Pill Junkie, uh, Jim Lydica, Chris Pinio, Cog. Those are the main folks who were doing the chatting. Uh, SES114, too. So 
they ask any questions besides what came up? Of course they asked questions about uh, other stuff that came up, but I, it didn't fit into the conversation. <laughs> 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 That's why we don't take callers, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't usually on my show either, especially if it's going along and I'm very interested in what somebody's saying. Right. I don't want a caller messing up a conversation that I'm having fun with. I do like the folks in the chat room, but sometimes they throw shit at me and I'm trying to talk to you and I'll say, you know, it'll throw me completely off my train of thought. So it, yeah. it has a. Has I have a, a show where I just. It's calls. Fine. What's How that? many seconds? 90 seconds. But we're going to just. It's going to keep going. So we'll just. Uh, we'll just say goodnight to the live listeners and uh, check out the MP3 because there'll probably be. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit more on there. And uh, well, we got a minute here. So uh, plug your stuff here. Radio Mysterioso. We'll do it again at the very end, but plug it for the live folks. RadioMysterioso.com, right? Yeah, RadioMysterioso.com, and Mysterioso is spelled M-I-S-T-E-R-O-S-O, and radio is Radio, R-I-D-I-O. Nice, nice. And uh, that's on live um, Sundays, usually from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific, and then within a few weeks, if you're lucky and I'm lucky and life goes the way it should, I post them as podcasts. People can download them, and it's available on iTunes and uh We've got guests coming up uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, one of them is a mystery guest who people haven't heard from in a, in a long time. And uh, and uh, who else? Well, a, f- a few surprises are coming up. Good shows. I'm going to try and force my way onto the show soon, folks, too. I tried to actually a couple of weeks ago, but Greg had to do a Christmas show. So. Oh, damn it. <laughs> it's my wacky, crazy, um, uh, <laughs> unscheduled uh, Irreverent show do yeah. every year. Yeah, you thought that you think, you think there was like a holiday around the corner or something. He couldn't have me on his show. Well, but, if, you know, I, I think next <laughs> week is open if you want. I may be able to do that the, for the fourth. Yeah, I may be able to do that. We'll uh, we'll talk later this week about that. that, that okay. that's doable. Um, all right. So the folks are the, the live folks are gone. We've said good night to them. Uh, I was gonna. I guess I'll ask now so I don't forget when I when I ask you to plug again, but uh, how deep is the archive now? Because you've been doing this for a long time. You must have, like, easily over 100 shows. What are the what are the other shows? I mean, how deep is it going? I mean, how... how, how... I don't know. It might be 100. I, mean, I, I have no idea. I kind of went through the list the other day, and it looked like there might be at least 100. There's at least 100, dude. You've been doing this for, like, years and years and years, and you do it, if not weekly, you certainly do, like, two or three shows a month. Right. Yeah, I used to do it really, really steadily weekly, but as as uh, as I get less enchanted with things, I do it less, and I have to be really motivated to to like have a guest on and really talk to them about something. Um, sometimes, if I don't, you know, I used to think I got to do the show this week, I got to do it, hell or high water. Now, if something happens or I need to do something or you know, the family's had health problems, you know, right, uh, exactly, I I can't do it all the time. But when I do do it, it, it you know I, I really want to. Um, a few weeks ago, actually, I was very sick and very demotivated, and you could tell on the show because I was getting very short with people. And <laughs> oh no, I, I want to hear that one. Very much, and I did not post that. <laughs> oh no. Like, I wasn't. Like, I wasn't abusive, but I was just kind of like in the studio. I was actually putting my head in my hands and going, oh. And I don't like that. 
Yeah. Uh, what I like is when I'm talking to somebody like you or like uh, Paul and Aaron Gullius uh, a couple days ago or Nick a couple weeks ago or um, Go Rightly or Red Pill Junkie or anybody where we just keep going like we did on this show. And, and it's like the only reason we stop is because we run out of time. Yeah. And I, nobody's on the show after me, so sometimes I've had shows run three hours sometimes, so I just run out of steam finally. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, so I'll, you've I'll, had far I'll, more guests and spread of things on your show than I ever have, and that's amazing, and it's great, and I wish I had the, I wish I had the energy to keep doing that. Maybe I'll find it, Ian. I don't know. Dude, you do, you do probably more shows a year than I do, believe it or eh, not. I don't know about that. Whatever. We should look into it. Someone should look into it. I'll, yeah. I'll end up looking into it, but uh, yeah. Well, people keep pushing me to. I keep saying I'm, I'm, and you have done it. I'm scared to interview Valet, but I'm gonna do it this year. God damn it! It's more a matter of getting him to come on the show. He's kind of a tough nut to crack. I know. But he I is. haven't reached out and tried in a few years, so yeah. I should. I've myself. got this weird feeling that at some, if I, when I do say uh, contact him, which maybe you can help me with, when I do contact him, his response is going to be. What took you so long? <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be a great response. I know that he likes at least I gave him a copy of um, Wake Up Down There. At a, and I've said this before. I was at a SSE conference, and there was a lecture going on. He was sitting in the row behind me reading the book rather than listening to the lecture. That's a good sign. And I felt so happy and proud. I wanted to turn around and take a picture, but I was just like, this this is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in my entire life. I'm just going to enjoy it right now live and uh, not worry about saving it for posterity or anything. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 because I don't – What? He, he – Valet, because of the excluded middle, I guess he likes the magazine, so I think he at least knows when – I, when I met him and shook his hand, he goes, yes, I know you. So it's like, okay, he at least knows who I am. So maybe it's uh, – and he knows that I'm very receptive to his ideas. And they could talk about him with about these ideas as somebody who has, has grown up with them over a long period of time. Yeah. Instead of like a instead of like somebody like, you know, George Dory or something that like cuts him off right in the middle of a really interesting sentence all the time. I try to do that with you when you're on the show, but that's what? because I've had a lot Up of in the middle of an interesting sentence? Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> No, I keep doing it to you, and I, I if and I know I do, and I apologize when uh, in advance and uh, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. The highest compliment I can give you is that, like, when we do interviews, I with some guests, I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't interrupt them. I'm just gonna, you know. But with you, it's like I'm get so into the conversation that it's not like I, <laughs> I forget that people are even people listening. Don't realize if you're polite in radio, it makes it oh. boring for the listener. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You got to really get in there, and uh, it is not a polite medium. I learned this very in a very visceral way. One time, I was on a radio show, just like like won some weird contest, and I was trying to be polite. And I ended up not saying anything. That's how you ended up on our show. You won a weird contest. Yeah. What, what was the contest? Actually, no. You wrote to me. Uh, you <laughs> you wrote to me after you were on Coast to Coast because I wrote like a fan blog on Coast to Coast, and I was like, I think he had. I don't know what was going on with Jody and him on coast, and then you like cleared it all up. And then I'm like, why don't you come on my show and we'll talk about it? Yeah, I think that yeah, that was the first one, 2006, I guess, right? 2005. Oh jeez. Oh yeah, because I, I, did I not mention this? I think I, maybe I was saving until the end, but yeah, the uh, you have a 10 year anniversary coming up, and you in, did mention that yeah. in the in the uh, in, in, in during July, the show, live so, show in you August. Said 10 years. Yeah, in August, so. 
We're gonna do. Uh, here's what I was thinking: Would you project Beta Revisited? Yeah, I have, I have, I have been all tenure. Where I, absolutely, yeah. I'll reread Project Beta and come up with some new questions. Way I'll more about it than I do. Listen to the old interview. What's that? You'll know way more about it than I do. Yeah, and we'll get an update on what the hell's happened in the last ten years because the Beta story, like when you first wrote about it, it. it no one really had heard about it or was sort of in the in the underbrush of ufology and you know later in the last 10 years they made a fucking documentary about it so you know sort of well yeah in a way but we'll yeah. get into that this summer we'll get into that this summer i want to wrap up the year in review though uh because i'm forgetting that we're <laughs> doing a show still um i usually do i gotta go back and check these i i maybe i have in some years but i don't know i usually do like a hot or not after uh hot or not for the end of the year, what what seems big going into the into the new year? So I'll uh, wrap it up with that. For some reason, I feel like this sort of like there's a spirituality bent going on, afterlife kind of like that kind of. I feel like there's kind of that in the air right now. There's a sort of this this uh, mortality talk and that kind of thing. We even kind of dwelled on it a little bit in the show tonight, but it's like there seems to be something like that going on. I feel, uh, and it's getting seems like it's getting more popular sort of like mediumships and, and things about the act, like almost like a natural progression from the whole ghost research realm, where it's like mm. people have moved on from ghosts, but they're like, well, you know, what does it all mean? What do all these, what does this ghost thing mean? So I yeah. think that's kind of in the, in the you know, in the minds of people. Um, I think Bigfoot's going to stay popular. A lot depends on what this Dr. Sykes says, I think, in my mind at least, uh, as far as where the hell it's all going. But like I said earlier, if Bigfoot stays hot, then it's more likely that we'll get it, – it's the best mystery, I think, for uh, to get hot if you're hoping for answers, I guess, compared to UFOs and ghosts. Because uh, Bigfoot has the most likely possibility of something that's on the ground that could get hit by a car. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like – so that, that's kind of like it, – it has the most possibility for for results. Um I don't know if I mentioned this last year. I feel like I probably did, but I still think that, like, there there seems to be this new, and I maybe you can speak to this, but it seems to be like there's this definitely this new vigor for space. And it, it, oh. it's been cooking for the last couple of years, and, like, you saw it sort of hit a high point with uh, that Neil deGrasse Tyson and the Cosmos show. I mean, it was like a national, you know, it was a national TV show that was about, that was about space and stuff. So, like, yeah. space is hip all of a sudden. Space is cool. Um, if anything, that really trumps all a lot of these other things, the afterlife and, and you yeah. know, spirituality and Bigfoot. Like space, in the eyes of the mainstream, space is the hottest thing that's the closest to the paranormal, it seems. So I think we'll see more of that uh, as we go on. I don't know what's going on with space, but it feels like, uh, it almost feels like people are waking up. It's like I, I I imagine it was much much better and more like exciting in the '60s and stuff when they were trying to get to the moon, but I feel like this is sort of like a tampered down version of that excitement, where people are starting to sort of get excited about the mystery and and, and the positive, you know, the possibilities of space. Yeah. So I would say look for more stuff like that, um, and in turn, of course, then you got to look for all the blurs and the uh, UFO and and uh, artifact porn so that'll be that that goes hand in hand with space stuff and then uh keep an eye out for more elect uh internet problems i think that'll 
there'll be at least one or two big sort of uh, the Internet's a problem story. And uh, the election, that's going to be starting up probably uh, some point in the next few months. So that always adds its own layer of uh, – that, that gins up the conspiracy, folks. We didn't even really talk about the conspiracy realm too much tonight because I can't think of any big conspiracy of the past year that came up except for the missing plane. You know, or oh, the missing plane, or the North Korea slash hacker, well, yeah, uh, Sony thing. Yeah, you touched, you, you hit it right because uh, I think I thought I had this in the notes earlier, but yeah, the as far as the conspiracy realm, 2014 going forward, the whole I feel like the whole realm of conspiracy has moved away. Aside from the whole police state, it's moved away from the from from sort of a, an American centric conspiracy thing where it's like 9-11 was like really all about america yeah uh i feel like conspiracy now has moved into a geopolitical thing because this year we had the ukraine thing and then north korea it's like the conspiracy it's going geopolitical at least it did this year so we could see more of that uh next year that's my that's kind of my prediction uh i don't know what to make of the whole russian ukraine thing i think i had it in the notes uh but i don't know what to make of it I, I, you know, it, it could be part of some grand conspiracy. It probably isn't, but I, it's one of those sit back and watch develop. I feel like we're we're only at the very beginning of that story. Yeah, well, if uh, they're they're falling apart again, and they're yeah like, trying to hold it up with smoke and mirrors and fear. Yeah, you just hope they don't get desperate or stupid. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, the not the stuff that I. Not too thrilled about going into the new year. Uh, again, American ufology. There's no point in beating a dead horse there. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, we we laid it out what they need to do statistics and 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 you know a sobering look at all this. So well, statistics and something I've whined about for a couple of years now. Just stop. Just stop. Turn off the big groups and do something. And this is what I was going to mention at the beginning. Um, there's a when I was on with. Uh, Paul Kimball and Aaron Gullius a couple of days ago, they were saying, you know, um, what, you know, the, the subject came up of the, the core project. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. Jeremy and Jeff did the core project. Yeah. yeah. Which, one, surprised me that they would do that because all I remember from their show is basically they complaining about how horrible everything was and, and uh, you know, dishing out, uh, 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 Criticism to people they figured deserved it. Well, they did break the Emma Woods. Um, they come in and, and like break new ground on something that's totally something that I'm 100 percent on board with. Let's take all this stuff, ask people some different questions, and start looking at what the answers to those questions are. Absolutely amazing. Totally amazed me. So far, has amazed me and, and given me a lot of hope. Good. Yeah. Well, they're going to be on in the new year to talk about it in depth, actually, on the show. I was thinking maybe I should get them on because I was on their show once or twice. Why, why, why not have them on and talk about that? Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's a, it's an innovative way to look at this, and that's all we're asking for. So yeah, it may more from that from American Ufology. But it's something different, for Christ's sake. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, the other knot going into the new year, I had conspiracy culture because that was kind of like. Uh, it's very geopolitical. It's getting very deep into like sort of uh you know, geopolitics. What's what's the U is there gonna be a new Cold War? What's going on with the Ukraine? Is North Korea you know, so there's not but with conspiracy it's always lurking under the surface, the smallest thing could explode. Uh yeah. you know, last year, twenty thirteen, we ended and it was like everybody was all hopped up on like shootings and stuff. Yeah. And this year 
I, I got to ask Lauren about this, but I kind of made the observation I was thinking the other night. Like, do you remember the dude who like shot like four people in California because he was like uh, he was like a twenty three year old virgin or something? Yes. Yeah. To me, it felt like that was the nadir of the shooting thing. Barbara, wasn't it? What's that? It was yeah. It was, near, it was in your neck of the woods. Yeah, it was up. It's up where I go paragliding or used to all the time, right in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, and it was I, like it, it's like it, you worry about the copycat effect of all this. Yeah. And in a sense, it was like in a morose sort of way that was like the best kind of shooting you could have because the guy was like such a loser. Like no one would really, no one really wants to identify with like the guy who can't get laid, so he's going to go out and shoot hot women. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like. For all the twisted reasons people are disgruntled with the world, like they're they're not going to throw their lot in with that perspective. Not getting laid is really to, well. It's probably uh, probably high on the list of why a lot of things are done that might be a lot of them be useful. But yeah, this this one wasn't. Right, right. So it's like it, I think that that tampered the it tempered the copycat effect in a way. So that's good. Um, yeah. I think that's uh, yeah. The only other thing that's not going into the new year. This is sort of just ba- this is not like predictive, but it's just based on what I'm reading in the news. It kind of has nothing to do much with the paranormal, although it does in a sense, because the paranormal has been a stable of all this. This is the reality TV is like going down the tubes, and uh, the ratings are really bad for all these shows. And Yay, finally. I know. And apparently, like, people don't want to, you know, the networks don't want to do more reality shows. So considering that, you know, for a lot of the paranormal, the bread and butter is reality shows. That's probably a good thing because, like you said, oh, it's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, I, can't, I I can't think of one of any of those shows that I watch more than once. Right. So I just watch and go ah, and shut it off because either I'd heard it all before, and or it was really stupid, and or you know they had really dumb people saying dumb things that 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 uh, took it nowhere and taught nobody anything useful and didn't advance the cause or anything like that or make an attempt to get intelligent people involved or whatever. I mean, as as a philosophy of the show. Yeah. You hit a nail on the head. You covered all the bases of what makes these shows so terrible. So yeah, maybe just... maybe if they maybe if the networks are like, well, the ratings don't justify, you know, Bigfoot bananas because there really are like at least 10 Bigfoot shows. I got I got to yeah. I got to speculate this. It got to be yeah. ten, ten Bigfoot, ten ghost shows. You know, maybe five UFO shows. If they, if they start weaning off of these things, that that would be the, for the best. Yeah, the best thing that can happen to any fringe area of study is to have people stop paying attention to it. Well, that's the thing too. You worry about it because it's like I was talking earlier about how the mainstream, they, the Bill Clinton and the Jimmy Kimmel thing. It's like the paranormal. There's been kind of a sleight of hand in a sense where it's been kind of co-opted by this geek culture. But it's still yeah. sort of kept outside of the Comic-Con, if you will. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so because it, they know what's real and what isn't, and UFOs and Bigfoot <laughs> aren't real, so they're stupid. It's like it, it... Science says they don't exist, so they don't exist, and science is the god, so, you know, it's like... That's... If you want... That's like... It's like the Penn and Teller thing. It's like, let's take the stupidest thing we can find and represent it as the entire thing. You know, in our show, we'll take somebody who's just an absolute moron or take the moronic part of something or just concentrate on the part that we can make fun of and represent that as the entire field of whatever it is. Yeah. That's, that's the problem with, with, with a lot of the skeptic stuff. And a lot of and people are 
pushed away from paranormal stuff because they think that it makes them cool, hip, intelligent, and modern if they if they make fun of this shit. That's the point, yeah. Well, the thing is, too, like I said... You know what? Good, fine. Keep them away. Well, it got co-opted by the geek culture to the point where it's like, the geek. you know how it's like, geeks are cool now, so who can we laugh at? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's kind of like how back in the 70s and stuff, it, it, politically incorrectness was... was part and parcel, and now it's like, you, we can't pick on anyone except for, like, hillbillies and fat people. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, like exactly. the paranormal are the hillbillies and fat people of of, <laughs> of, of, of the geek culture, in yeah. more ways than one, you know? Yeah. So, it's, uh, that that's happening, which is, which is distressing. Honey uh, Boo Boo Hanger 1. What's that? Honey Boo Boo Hanger 1. <laughs> exactly. Honey Boo Boo and Balloon Boy. It's like it, yeah. it, it, it all works together. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. Personally, I'm I don't know. I guess I'm looking forward to 2015. It'll be nice to start out on a on a fresh note. God, I hope so. I I don't know. I don't know about other people, but 2015 was just not a happy year for me. 2014. And for a lot of people I know. Actually, um, the last time, uh, uh, 2001. Um. At the end of 2001, I, I, uh, I saw a guy I sort of knew. Uh, I met him, like, we were going in somewhere, my girlfriend and I, and he had a T-shirt that said, 2001 sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those for 2014. 2014 sucked. It was it, pretty it, lousy. It was pretty lousy. I didn't like it. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just me or if everybody thought that. It was just not not a real watershed wonderful year. Yeah, it's. I, I wonder though if everybody feels that way at the end of the year every year. You know what I mean? Huh? Like I, I wonder if everybody if you feel that way at the end of the year every year. Because I was thinking about that the other day. Because I was like, oh, thank God, 2014 is over. And it's like, shit, I feel like I said that every year. So, really? When I, I got done with, you know, up to probably four or five years ago, maybe even maybe even last year, it was always like that was nice. I wonder what's going to happen next year. Or that was very nice. I wonder what's going to happen next year. This year was that sucks. Something better, better ha- something nice better happen this year. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not running around like trying to feel bad or with like you know a, a pessimistic outlook on life. I haven't had a pessimistic outlook since like you know since probably the early '90s when I made a decision not to feel like that all the time. And since then, it's been pretty good. All right, sounds good. You know, it's the all you have control of is your attitude, but you know sometimes a lot of stuff just builds up, and you your your attitude gets tested very very severely. <laughs> well, that's the truth, dude. That's the truth. I mean, yeah, I mean it's not like people the new age things. They go, oh, well, it's just how you think of it. It's like you get hit by a car. It's not how you think of it. You got hit by a damn car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a good feeling about 2015. Just, just. That's good. I like the way it looks. You know, it's very round, sort of like, has the sort of makings of like a sort of break point. You know, I'd like to quit. Yeah, well, round like a 2015. It's like a five. You know, it's like a. I see what you mean. You know, it has a good sort of like yeah. You know what I mean? Of that of that ilk. Of a, yeah. of a sort of, no, I don't mean round, you know, I'm sure there's some math person that's like, that's not a round number, but that, you know what I mean. Oh, I mean, you, you, it's, it's a, it's a, uniform. It's, a it's a comfortable number. It's, yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's half a 10. It's, uh, it's halfway in between. It's, you know, it's all these nice things. If yeah. you want to, 
if you think that stuff affects how people react and how you react to things and all that, which it probably does on some level, yeah. Yeah. So it's the anniversary of McDonald's also. Of what? McDonald's. It's like 75 years or something like that. Really? From the from the first one in San Bernardino? Oh, is that where the first one was? The first McDonald's was in the Inland Empire of, of uh, Los Angeles County. Are you place name-dropping? Huh? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, McDonald's, for better or worse, was cooked up in Southern California. Why can't they spread out? Why can't in and out Burger spread out? I like them better. I don't know. They're... Oh, how do you know about them? Just from visiting out here? Yeah, it's like Yingling. Do you know Yingling? No. It's a beer you could only get in like Pennsylvania. It finally came to uh, Massachusetts like uh, this year. If we're going to do a year in review, for fuck's sake, that's probably the biggest thing that happened to me this year. <laughs> it's a Yingling came out. Yeah, you could finally get Yingling, and it's like super cheap. It tastes better than the super cheap Bud Light style beer, but it's essentially the same. You know how there's different like classes of beer, like lager or whatever? It's yeah. of that family type of beer, but it's uh, I see. it tastes better and it's super cheap and it was you couldn't get it. It was impossible to get until like May. So now it's like uh, uh, I'm a beer snob. I only only I I if I drink cheap beer, I get a headache. So what I do is I drink nice beer occasionally. Well, My you should favorite... want it just because you can't get it. That was the initial appeal of it too. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Like if I come out to visit you, I'll bring a six pack of Yingling so you can Please try. Please do. Yeah, but it's uh, I don't Yingling. We... What is it made in China? What's no, that? it was started by a family named Yingling in like Pennsylvania. <laughs> it just sounds funny. What a Yingling? A what? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. If it's one of those things, like you be, be actually. It's, uh, yeah, I think it was in 2014. Might have been 2013, but I'm pretty sure. It was I'm sorry, I'm kind of an elitist snob. I don't. I, I've stopped. No, it. yeah, that's the thing. It's I'm really of... intrigued by this Yingling. So. Yeah, it's spelled uh, Y-U-E-N-G-L-I-N-G. It's like really suit. It's it's hard to explain. You know what it is? It's. And I don't even know if you'll get this reference. My dad used to love this stuff. It's kind of has sort of an air of Moxie to it. You remember Moxie? No, Moxie is my favorite soda. Really. That's amazing. My dad loved Moxie. I tried it like twice when I was a kid, and it was like like drinking tar. Oh yeah, it's like if if you don't like it, or it's probably kids would hate it. But it's to me, it's like Dr Pepper times ten. I should try Moxie again. I haven't had it in years. Yeah, they they have it out here at like specialty stores. Whenever I see it, I buy like like a sixer of it, and then I nurse it over like you know a few weeks. Yeah, it has I really. At one time, I was on the Paracast, and they said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm drinking a Moxie." <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I think they have it in grocery stores around here, but I'm not. I got to look for it. I'm going to get some Moxie. I'll report back to folks on how it tastes. Oh, it's. A, I I love it, and I hardly. I've I've gone on this thing where I don't drink soda very much anymore, like I used to, because it, it's it's a lot of sugar, and it was probably making me even. You know, I'm trying to fight being. You know, gaining weight now because I can't eat anything I want anymore like I used to, so. Yeah. Or as much of anything I want anymore, but I'll have a moxie every once in a while. I love them. You got any New Year's resolutions? I got two, actually, so we'll we'll see. Uh, I'll share yeah. them on the show. I'll, 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 I'll get along with this book that I'm doing and interview these damn people that I keep saying I'm going to interview and finally get them on my show and, and uh, shit or get off the pot. And if I'm going to stop the show at some point. What? Stop it. You're not stopping the show. Let's no, stop. I said if I ever do. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like when you know. I do. It might be when I'm dead. I have no idea. But 
when I stop the show, I don't want to say, oh, well, I wish I'd interviewed these people. So I'm going to do it this year because I did that before with certain people, like for the magazine, and they died. Like Orfeo Angelucci, I wanted to interview him. As soon as I thought about interviewing him, I find he died the month before. Jesus. You know, Gray Barker, I wanted to talk to him. He died the month before I called that. It called this house, like in 84 or something. That's why I'm always harassing you for me to go on your show. That way you don't ask me. Ask you what? To come on the show because you may curse me and I'll die. <laughs> if you're like, I should call Benal and see if he wants to come on the show, then you're like, Benal died two weeks ago. Already been on, so that does, that, that oh, doesn't anymore. You're safe as you're safe as milk or kittens or whatever. All right, good. And Mosley was on twice, and uh, it's uh, and I interviewed him in like in the mid '90s, so he took quite a while after that. All right. So that doesn't make you know the only two people I've ever interviewed that aren't around anymore that I can remember right now is um, are Mosley and Carla Turner. I've interviewed like eight – no, and Mac Tonys. And Mac Tonys, I'm sorry. Because uh, I was going to say, I've interviewed like eight people that have died. You didn't interview Mac, You didn't interview uh, Bud Hopkins? Nope. Ah. Yeah, I've interviewed like eight people. The first few, you're like, holy shit, that's kind of creepy. Then after yeah. – once you get to eight or so, you're like, all right, this is getting – you know, this is depressing. Yeah, uh, well, I'll just think of uh, – I keep doing Nori this for or Art Bell or whatever. Isn't Art Bell going to start doing He's like hinting that he's going to do a show again soon. Yeah, I think he has a non-compete that runs out in July uh, yeah. after the whole debacle of the X or whatever that was, XM serious yeah. thing. So who knows? I think it's going to be more political, though, and not so much paranormal. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I hope so. He's, he's still my favorite ever, and no matter what people think of him or his politics or whatever the hell, really, really good radio interviewer. He is really good. He is really good. Absolutely. I mean, him and him, Long John Neville, um, I think those are my, my two, like, paranormal radio interviewer heroes. Well, here's something. This is completely off the beaten track. I hope you don't mind that we're just talking now. This is just like... <laughs> Why should I mind? I thought that's what we were doing anyway. Yeah. Well, don't forget, there, there, are, folk, there are folks listening. The so. thing that people don't know about, when you're doing radio or doing something where people are listening, you talk in a completely different way than when you're just talking to somebody. But the thing is, after a while, if you get good at it or, you know, or listen to yourself enough, you start to realize what the talking to somebody else while other people are listening style is. Exactly. And it's a weird thing. You, you can't really describe it. It just, after a while, you realize you talk in a way that seems to work. Right, right. Uh Oh, you, you almost threw me off what I was going to say. Sorry. But, uh, no, no, it's all right. We, I was talking about how I'm going to have you on uh, this summer, uh, 10 years and all that good stuff. Yeah. I sometimes think, because you've been around a long time, uh, did, I don't think I've ever brought this up with anybody on the show, because I can't think of anybody who would have come up in conversation except for just now. But sometimes, every now and again, I sit, uh, you know, I'll be working on something, and the throttle across my mind, or I'll look on the forum uh, at an old section we used to have – and it's like, whatever happened to Jeff Rents, man? Yeah, whatever happened to Jeff Rents? He's not. Is he not doing shows anymore? I think he's still doing shows, but it was like he used to be, you know, he used to be like the maybe distant number two, but certainly like he was sort of in the conversation with Coast to Coast for years and years and years, and then huh. the, the podcasting thing happened, and it was like he just kind of disappeared. You, you'd think he was so popular, you'd think that he would have like a a big podcast that people talk about, but it seems like he's never really, you know, seems really quiet. 
Yeah. I will, I'll ha- I have a confession to make. I have never once listened to any Jeff Rents shows ever. Oh, really? I used to listen yeah, to him a long, long time ago. Huh? I used to listen to him a long, long time ago, because like, before I started Been All of America, I listened to tons of paranormal radio. Back then, there wasn't much paranormal radio, so it was easier to listen to tons of it. Everybody it and their lo- sister has a show. Right. It was like Coast, Rents, and Alex Jones. And Alex yeah. Jones was like just starting out. And yeah. I remember like... Uh, and if you were on the West Coast, Billy Goodman for a while. And I think, and, and folks who listen to this show would appreciate, like, part of the whole reason why we just start the show and go right into the guest. We don't do news or, or sort of like, I used to do those pre-taped intros, but I've even moved away from those now that we've gone live and everything. It's because like, the rent influence was he would start the show and within the first like ninety seconds the guest would be on, and I like yeah. loved that. You know, so it, all my interviews, I, I tried to do that, but then I got further and further into doing these pre-tape things, which eventually... I guess I they're on before over. the show starts. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have banter pre, pre-show, pre not even... I won't even announce who the guest is. I'm just talking, like, on the phone with them. It's like, so, you know, are we going to do this, or, you know, what's been going on? It's like, oh, did you hear about the so-and-so? Or it's like, oh, damn, this this recorder isn't working, or whatever. It's just some BS that's going on before the show, and I like having that in there. Did I mention this while we were – yeah, we, before well, we, we were on, starting the show. Yeah, you was right as the show was starting. You were trying to <laughs> make it happen on <laughs> – Yeah, and I, and I always have – I mean, I was just editing one today, and I'm just sitting there before the show going, why isn't this working? Oh, that's why. God, what an idiot. You know, and the other thing is, uh, when I was doing the interview the other night, everybody always expects to hear the sirens going by the window. People like on my show. In fact, if they don't, they go, "Where are the sirens? You must not be doing the show live because there's no sirens." Who are these people? That those are your obsessives. You got to worry about those folks. <laughs> everybody says it. It's uh, it's like a it's like a running joke on the show. Calling and card. It, and the uh, last time we did the on the Sunday we did the show and and no sirens the whole time. And then, like you know, hour and uh, two hours and twenty minutes in, I'm playing you know a, I'm playing uh, when you see this those flying saucers by the Buchanan brothers because I asked one of the guests which one which song do you want to hear, and he had rung off and I was just talking to Paul Kimball, uh, Gullius had run off and I rung off and I was just talking to Paul Kimball and a siren went by, so I turned down the music and stuck the microphone out the window so you could hear the siren going by. <laughs> oh man. So there's just dumb stuff like that that just becomes a weird tradition, I guess. I mean, what do you have on your show like that? Well, when we do the little, uh, I break the shows in half for people to listen to. I guess this is the closest thing in that sense uh, of a sort of an oddball thing. And I actually got an email a few years ago, not even like a year ago, from somebody complaining about it. And they were like, why do you do that? It takes away from the from the subject matter. But like we split the show in half, so halfway through we just have this little sound bite that tries to be either thematic to the show or like something in my life that's from pop culture it's hard to explain but you know no i know exactly what you're talking about i've heard them yeah i'll have like some letterman clip and then it'll be like you're listening to been all of america yeah and you don't even explain it sometimes no there's never any explanation for it okay It tries to tie into the show most of the time, or else, or, or else, if I'm trying to like send a secret message that only I would, you know, only I would know. Twenty years later, it was like, oh yeah, it was that time your girlfriend really pissed you off, so you put that, <laughs> you, you put that clip in from Spies Like Us, you know. It's like yeah, no one would ever know that that's why. I put yeah, it that's in, but. great stuff. I mean, I, I do that on the show sometimes too. Sometimes I'll do things on the show, 
specifically to see if anybody will react to them later. They have no, they mean nothing within the context of the show. I'll just mention something offhandedly just to see if somebody will react to it. Sometimes I, I, I want spook people to react, and it's never – one time. It happened once. This is like well, you I, said got, you I got a weird response from somebody. You but that's like in what, 10, 12 years of doing it? You definitely have more than 100 shows, then. I do, but uh, you know what my shows used to be? I used to put them on – for a while, I burned them on CD, and for a while, jeez, at the beginning, I taped them on cassettes. And I still have some of those cassettes, and once in a while I'll find one. It's like, whoa. I found that one with Peter Jordan about uh, cattle mutilations, which was exceeding. And it wasn't even my show. It was Robert Larson's show. And it was a weird one because we talked about all kinds of stuff. We talked about, like, the, you know, we even got into the, like, Ken Thomas's octopus book and the connections with that and the cattle mutilation thing. And it's like, God, we have so much more to talk about. Will you come on next week? Yeah, sure. Three days before the next show, he called and said, I'm not in this anymore. I don't want anything to do with it, and I don't want to do the interview. And he hung up, and he never talked to me again. Oh, my God. Who is this again? Peter Jordan, a uh, cattle mutilation researcher that lived in New Jersey. That's weird. And I had, you know, I talked with him quite a bit on the phone. We had a lot of long conversations. He did this show with us, and then as soon as he did the show, he said, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. It's starting to freak me out, and I'm not going to do the show, and I'm so sorry, and that's it. And he wouldn't answer my phone calls. Weird. Or... You touched a nerve. Somebody touched a nerve. Well, somebody did. Oh, there's my phone ringing. My wife's calling. You want to answer <laughs> it? What are you doing? You want to answer it? No, I'll let it go. Okay. But when she calls, it plays the Kitty Cats on Parade song. Listen. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I posted that thing on your wall for uh, for Christmas. I'm actually I, I, I'm trying to get a better version of it, but I'm working on having the Lancelot Link be my ringtone. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if Bob Emenegger wrote the theme. I just like it. it doesn't yeah, matter it where it came from. I just theme. think it's awesome. Yeah. Um. I remember that show was on when I was reruns or something when I was a kid on Saturday mornings, and I watched it. I don't know why. It's so stupid, but I watched it. Maybe because it was so stupid. They showed it on Comedy Central when they first launched Comedy Central. Oh, really? Uh, it was like probably super cheap to buy, so they just ran it on Comedy Central like Saturday mornings, same as it used to. And I, I, That's how I found it when I was like 16, 17. I was like, this is insane. I asked um, Eminegger, I said, do you have any stories from that show? Because he, you know, he... Sh- he was on the set a few times because he wrote a lot of the songs and knew the producers and all that. And he goes, well, one time there was a rule with Lance Link and the other, especially Lance Link, don't look him in the eye. Yeah, you don't want to go near those fucking things. They're scary. Yeah. You couldn't even – Don't look him in the eye. Um, don't make any sudden movements and don't speak a foreign language to him. He freaks out at any of those things. What? That's crazy. That last one's crazy. Yeah. So he – he said one of the producers of the show pulled up in a limo, and he was, like, going around the set and checking things out, and he did every single one of those things <laughs> in front of Lance Link. And he said the, 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 the chimp went ape shit. And no pun intended? Was, and actually bit him on the ass. Jesus. <laughs> He's lucky that's all that happened to him. Those things are yeah, really fucking gentle. His, you know, they, they go and, like, tear your eyes and your, your, your balls off. Yeah, they're fucking crazy, dude. That scares. That's one of those things that, like, you know, you're afraid that it would ever happen to you. <laughs> Not like it, you know, like if I saw a chimp, I would keep within like 
enough distance to run away. I wouldn't even get close. Yeah, apparently, the producer is just you know such an asshole. He's just like, I don't have to listen to you, and he didn't. And the chimp freaked out. That's the kind of thing I when I posted that on the wall too. I was like, this is the kind of thing I wish they would make a remake of, but they never could nowadays because no, they couldn't because be they, like, they probably oh, did the, the monkeys horribly. Yeah, think about just, the chimps. You know, Go ahead. That's all I was saying. Think about the chimps. Yeah. You know. The yeah. weird thing is, you said everybody's interested in space now. Just recently, for some reason, I read the right stuff because I'd never read it. Yeah. And I was absolutely. I loved it. It was a great book. It was written very well. You know, Tom Wolfe is a you know whatever he's. I don't know what you think of him, but he has a very distinct style, at least in that book, and it doesn't get in the way of the story. And, and and he does, and it's it's just amazing to me that somebody can have a style and not be doing this like a lot of writers do. Look, I'm a writer, where the style gets in the way of the story, and you're just like, I don't really give a shit about you or your opinion or anything. Yeah. Stop saying I, I, me, me, and look, I'm a writer, and just tell the damn story. But the thing is that if you're a good writer, like Tom Wolfe or you know Truman Capote or you know I don't know Brett Easton Ellis or something like that, you can. Write a story and have it be have a perfect, wonderful, natural writer voice, and not have it be something where it sounds unnatural or getting in the way. But anyway, that he said that the that the way they treated the monkeys that they were going to send up into space was I, you read about it, you're like, oh my god, they would have never gotten away with it. Now, what they did was like, you know, they'd give them reward if they did the right things properly, like, and you know, push the shock, right because they wanted to see if the chimps could function in space, like you know, do complicated things. Um, basically, it was just pushing a sequence of buttons, and then they get like a little banana, you know, a yeah. banana flavored food tablet or something would come out. One of the runts, the runts, the banana runt. Yeah, <laughs> that no one wants exactly. <laughs> and he said, that, that, but the thing is that they, you know, they would reward them with that. But if they did the wrong thing, they'd get a really big shock in their feet. So they basically, he said, the, the chimps were like, you know. At first, they were, like, freaking out and, like, trying to escape and doing all this other stuff. But a few of them started to catch on, and then some became real superstars and did it really well. And the one they finally – Ham, the one they the first one they sent into space, he was the most ornery, horrible one of them all, but he did the best job, so they sent him up. Well, just and listening he, to you he, say like, this. Fine like... colors. He was fine. It, his, you know, his heart rate didn't go up. He didn't freak out because being in the, in the capsule was just the same as all the training he had, so it wasn't any, any different than the normal torture he was going through every week anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, just hearing you say this is like so – it's just so bizarre to think about. We know this obviously happened. This isn't a conspiracy theory. They actually did oh. send chimps to space, and it's like – you look back on it now, it's like we have these iPhones and all this other crazy shit, and they're sending rovers to Mars and stuff, but like 50 years ago, they were actually training chimps to fly spaceships. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane to think about. Yeah. It's and they, they had a few, you know, they, like, they had a ton of them. Not a ton of them, but they had a whole bunch of them there. And some of them are like, some of them had been kidnapped out of Africa, like, you know, three months before, and suddenly they're shoved in these little these little metal canisters and, and told to push buttons and, and having huge shocks sent through their feet when they do it wrong. Yeah. It, it was, I mean, I'm sure they were just completely screwed in the head after that. It was just, you know, there's no way anybody could get along with them except oh, yeah. the main people that train them. Uh, and the other thing I'm reading because that came off of that, it's a book just called Apollo. And it's, it's not the story of the astronauts. It's the story of all the engineers and scientists and everybody that put the whole program together and what they had to do. And that's fascinating me now, too. Nice. All right. Book, book recommendation. Really, really nice. A book. 
So your resolution is to uh, what we say? Finish the book project that I'm working on now, and to start another one, and to interview those people that I, you know, specifically Valet. Somebody else said Greg Little, who I've not talked to yet, and I would really like to have him on my show, and a few other people. Nice, nice. You know, it just I, I had Dean Raiden on it scared the crap out of me because, you well, know. Well, you talked about getting him back on for years, so I'm glad you did that. Yeah, and I did, and and we had a nice conversation. He was very nice, and, you know, he's he, he talks to the level of the person that he's talking to, which is very nice, or just above it. So nice. The whole time I'm sitting there, it's like trying to keep up with him intellectually and, you know, just kind of scraping along, but, you know, never getting completely lost. He, he was very careful to explain things when he thought I didn't get it or whatever. Nice guy. But, you know, to me it was kind of nerve-wracking. Well, you'd built it up for so long, too. That yeah, well, I, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I was also kind of nervous while I did it. Well, I did – it's funny you say that because it's like – the complete opposite in a way, but it was. I was joking with Stan when we did the holiday show at the very beginning. It was even on the show. I was saying to him, "I'm like, I guess I'm. I, I don't know what if it's good or bad, but I'm really nervous, and <laughs> I've interviewed you ten times, so it's like I guess that means we're gonna have a good show. And I thought it was a great show, and it was just funny. I was like, Jesus Christ, Benal, you've done this like 250 times. You don't, you know, there's no reason to be nervous. And I was like, No, this is. Uh, you know what? At some point, you probably think you need to be nervous to get a good show because when you do do the good show, one, you have an edge when you're doing it, and two, when it's over, you're like, Well, that was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Well, you set yourself up for it to be really nerve wracking, and it wasn't. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know because I I go through that too. And I realize that I might be doing that just so I think it makes a better show when I'm a little bit on edge. Especially with somebody I'm not used to or I'm just like kind of intimidated by or whatever. Yeah, and another thing that people don't think about, this is like really inside baseball, but it's like it, it, a lot when you're going into one of these shows, you're going to interview somebody, a lot depends on what's going on with you and you, you, things you can't control or even just like really what's making me think of that is like just your energy level. You know, like sometimes I'll do a show and like it'll be at seven o'clock at night and I thought that was a good time to do the show, but seven o'clock will roll around and maybe I work till like four. So I had three hours to kind of get it together and get ready to do a show. And you just go into it and you're just kind of like, blah, you just don't have, you just can't kind of get it going, you know. And then the other times you start an interview, you're just like, as soon as you begin, you're like, I am sharp as a tack right now. This yeah. is going to be a great show, you know. So it's like, it's it's people... You know, people, folks listen to these things later, and they're like, I don't know, if, you know, I don't know if I like that that much. But it's like you don't know what's going on really in a lot of ways. No, you don't. But the thing is, I realize if if I feel like I had a lot of fun, not if it was a good show. Well, if you have fun, it is a good show. If I have a lot of fun doing the show, invariably people like it, even if it was a shitty show and nothing really happened. Because I, I realized something. I have this. I have a recording of somebody interviewing Woody Allen in the 1960s when he would give interviews. I don't know what you think about Woody Allen. I don't. I you know, no big deal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I like his movies. I you know, personally, I think he's probably a horrible person. Right. This is yeah. Um, that's that's like of the uh, Romanek Ferguson ilk. It's like less said the better. But yeah. Yeah. But. The guy's interviewing him, and he keeps – and the guy's a total idiot. It's like, what kind of equipment does a comedian need? It's like, that really doesn't have anything to do with that. A mouth? Yeah, exactly. What does he need to do? And he goes, you know, what what is the real secret? He goes – he said, well, 
I'll give you an example. When I first started in comedy, I would like I was a writer and I would write jokes. And you know, we'd sit around the writers table at the TV show or, you know, for the comedian whoever we were writing the jokes for, we'd all crack each other up because we were just like, you know, it was funny stuff. And he said, so I figured when I got when I was going up on stage, I would just read these jokes and people would crack up and he said it meant nothing to them. They didn't care. They didn't care that the jokes were funny. He goes, that, that has nothing to do with when you're trying to present yourself to an audience. What they want, what did he say? What they want is like an intimacy with the person, and they want to like the person. And as the, the, to the extent that you can make people like you and get kind of on your side is, to, is going to be how much they're going to enjoy what you're putting, putting forth. So if you, have a, if you have a boring, dry personality or, you know, you're, you're pissed off or whatever, all you're going to get an audience that likes you are pissed off, dry people. Exactly. Most people be entertained and have fun and you know, forget about shit for a while and, and concentrate on something else, even if it's something complicated or something, you know, um, uh, yeah, something intellectually challenging or whatever, that's an escape for them. And if you can if you do that in a way where it's like, you know, any show that's any like documentary or whatever, it's or, or a personality driven show. Like, you know, anybody could enter, anybody could have David Letterman's spot, but they can't be David Letterman. Right. You know, or, or whoever it is you have. the, the they're, People want to like you, and if you reward them by being likable or some part of you being likable like or you. having fun what you're doing, then if you're lucky, and he says this, it's like this rare combination of luck and genetics, and <laughs> yeah. weather that, that, that day and what's in the headlines and all that, then that's to the extent you're going to be successful at that point. And if you're not successful every time, who gives a shit? Just keep going, keep pushing yourself. And just that you know, five-minute interview with Woody Allen, it's like, there's the secret. You know, I was at I was at Roswell speaking once, and I I, I said something about the Scientologists, and I said, well, I'm not going to talk about them because you know it's it's controversial and all that. And about five minutes later, it came up again. And I said, you know what? I don't care. Those guys suck. I hate them. And everybody started laughing and clapped. <laughs> and I, I just I didn't even think about it. I just said, you know what? Screw it. And th- that made that to me. I was like, oh, I guess if I say what I really think, and not in a nasty way, but just you know. In, in kind of a fun way, it's like, oh, I think a lot of people feel this way. I'm just going to say it. And it it worked that time. Yeah. So maybe I've said too much. No, no, no. It makes sense. No, maybe I've said too much. It's like, yeah, that that's my advice if somebody wants to do podcasting or whatever. You have to really like what you're doing. You have to really like what you're talking about. And you have to – and that's it. And then you know. Yeah, no, you just have to be interested in what you're going to talk about. You just have to like, you have to want to know more. That's the whole. That's the secret. (laughs) You know. That's it. I mean, yeah, exactly. You've you've totally hit it there too. It's like you 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 have to be actually honestly curious about what you're interviewing the person about because then the questions will naturally flow. Right. If I don't know somebody real well, I write down like 20 questions. That's my minimum, and I almost never get through them. Because we start talking about other stuff, right? I always other questions come out of those. Though. Like something yeah. they'll be saying something. Well, what about this? And then I don't even go back to my list for another half hour. I'm sure you do the same thing. Yeah. Well, somebody in the chat room tonight was like, "Where are you getting this stuff from? Like these stories and stuff?" And I was like, "I just wrote back my notes. Like obviously, I wrote down what I <laughs> like, what I want to talk about. That's that's huh. how it works. So uh, you do some research. That's the other thing. If you don't prepare." 
Well, it's funny. Art Bell would not prepare, and he'd do a great show. I know this from personal experience. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I've tried that approach in some ways, and it does work as long as you. It works, you know. I think it it, I think that it's overstating it to say like not prepare. Like I know, like he had to have known who the guest was. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, he had to yeah. have known what the topic was, and sometimes just that. Now my cell phone's ringing. Uh, <laughs> this is how. This is how past the past the live show we've gone, folks. Uh, that our people are calling us. Like, are you alive? Are you okay? Why are you? Where have you gone? <laughs> uh, we're doing a year in review. Um, well, now we're just talking about podcasting. We've done this before. We talked about, but I don't think to this depth. No, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, like, I've, like clearly he knew who the guest was and what the topic was and what the book was and maybe even read like a little. Like, all, sometimes all you need is just a, a little nugget to really. So a lot of your imagination at getting people interested in what was being talked about and had some like this weird natural ability to hook into whatever somebody was saying and steer it in a, in a direction that was fun, adventurous. And when he came to commercials, cliffhangers. Yeah. Well, we'll see uh, what 2015 brings to us. Yeah, there's my cliffhanger. New Year's. I'll get. I have some New Year's resolutions. I should have on the record. I gotta quit smoking, man. Enough's enough. I'm 35, getting older. What's that? I thought you had. No, no. I'm still. uh, I'm still a victim of the evil weed. So I need. That's what they call it in England. The evil weed. So I'm trying. You know what the best way to do it is, and William Burroughs said this: pick a day and stop. I know, I know. I've Not tried like, everything, but... Use the patch, or I'm going to go down slowly. The only way that seems to work is pick a day and stop, and then stick with it until you stop thinking about it every day, and then every week, and then every month. I know, because I did it with chewing tobacco. Oh, you're into the dip? Yeah, I was for 10 years. And, and wow. I was easy, because the first few days I was so horribly sick that I didn't have any. Yeah. After I came off it, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to like, let me try an experiment and see how long I can go without it. All right. So it made it a little easier. The first really hard few days, I was so sick, I didn't care. I didn't yeah, have any exactly. craving for nicotine because I was so sick. <laughs> right. But that it was working its way out of my system at that point, so I actually had a little bit of a head start. Right. It's like I need to be abducted by an alien for like two days. So. <laughs> They lead with no tobacco. Right. Yeah. So they they've got me strapped down. You know, they're doing the uh, the probing or whatever, and it's just like they they bring me back, and people have been like, "You've been gone for like two days," and it's like, "I just don't want a cigarette. I've I've broken the forty eight hour barrier." So who who knows? But that's my that's my big news. In the morning, right after I ate, all that stuff, all the tobacco things. Yeah. It's brutal, dude. It's brutal. It really is. And it became it became one. It grossed my wife out. And two, it became inconvenient. Those are both – that's what's going on with me, and expensive. But it's like I can honestly say that they're – this is the frustrating part. This is kind of why I bring it up on the show too. It's like every – I've reached the point now in my life where like every person in my life is on my case to stop smoking. It's like I have no allies left. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. I have, there's nobody that even is like, eh, you know – do it when you can. It's like everybody I know is like, when are you going to quit smoking? When are you gonna quit? It's like to, to the point where I'm like, I don't need to quit smoking. I just need to quit having people harass me about it. So yes. the sooner I do that, the sooner they'll go away. Yeah. 
And it's, 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 uh, I know if I ever have one more thing of chewing tobacco, I'll be right back on it. So I kept that in my mind every time I thought about it, too. Yeah. All that I've been going for a week now. I've been going for two weeks now, a month now, two months now, a year now. And that I keep, it's probably how alcoholics deal with it, too. Right. Once you cross a certain threshold, you're like, well, I can't start now because I've, made this much progress in the first exactly place. it's like i can't i'm not going to go back i'm, I'm going to be so pissed off at myself if i go back after all this time even right. if it was three days exactly that's why i'm like if i could just make it like 24 hours i could probably quit smoking i just need to find those 24 hours to make it happen pick a day when you're either really busy or not busy at all we'll see what happens i'm hoping that uh, on the union review 2015 episode i'll i'll celebrate uh a certain amount of time not smoking. Yeah. Well, don't hope. Just well, you've made the resolution, so it's not a hope. It's something you've de- you definitely plan to do. Absolutely. I'm going to do it. Not not like I think I'm going to do that. It's kind of like anything else you plan you're going to do. If you just say I think I'm going to do it, natural laziness will keep you from doing it forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like that thing you talked about, where it's like you, if you talk about writing a book or something, that it takes then it adds more time that you're not doing it. Yeah, exactly. It takes the energy away. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's it. We're clo- we've closing in on like three hours here, so I guess we'll wrap it up. Yeah, we better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's the what's the website there? What do you what's your plug there? RadioMysterioso.com. It's RadioMysterioso, and Mysterioso is not spelled with a Y. It's M-I-S-T-E-R-I-O-S-O, like uh, I guess it would be spelled in Spanish, um, .com. And it's live uh, Sundays. Uh, Radio Mysterioso is live Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific. And um, if you go to the website, you can find all the archive shows for either listen on the site or download and it's also available on iTunes. Nice, nice. And there's a Facebook group too if you want to join that, uh, that people discuss things on and occasionally, somewhat to my annoyance, plug their stuff on. Oh, isn't that the worst? I do not like when people use my sites like, hey, I got this new thing that you should check out. Like, <sighs> well, if we're going to like break the fourth wall of podcasting, I will say like that the surest way to like move down the list of people I want to have on my show is to keep requesting to be on my show. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like you, people don't get that, and I, I uh, it, it, there's no like nice way to put it. You know, I feel rude saying it, but yeah, I guess if you're I'm, that desperate, one, you're probably going to be annoying on the show, and two, how much, st- how interesting is your stuff if you have to shove it in my face so much? Exactly, exactly. So that's a tip for prospective guests out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on that note, I guess we'll uh, we'll close the book on the year in review. Stick around just for a moment. I just want to chat with you briefly before uh, off the air. So I'll wrap up the show now. Uh, you heard Greg's website, RadioMysterioso.com. If you're listening to us on Blog Talk and you have no idea what this show is, it is BanalOfAmerica.com. You can find us at B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. Just punch that into your browser. That'll bring up the website. We've got a huge archive, 230-plus episodes. Just did our 10th annual BOA Audio Holiday Special with Stanton Friedman. And coming up on the horizon is BOA Audio Season 9, 
Before I tell you a little bit more about that, let me uh, ask for donations. We could always use more help, more funding, more assistance in getting things going and uh, keeping us in the black. So if you can help us out, head on over to banalofamerica.com and click the PayPal button. That will bring you to PayPal. They'll walk you through the process. It's safe, secure, and simple. But if you don't trust the Internet and you want to make a donation via snail mail, there's also a P.O. Box address at BOA. So head on over there for that as well. As I said, BOA Audio Season 9 is coming at you in January. I cannot even tell you when it will begin because I haven't even started really putting the pieces together. I have a huge list of awesome potential guests for the show and once the new year kind of rolls around, I think next Monday I'm going to really start digging in and starting to put it together. So I should have hopefully some news on Season 9 sometime in the next 10 days, let's say. You know, And the news may be that we're launching Season 9 at the end of January. So don't get too excited, folks. Yeah. 